You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast, the UK-based podcast written by a passenger for anyone. And here are your hosts, Carlos Stebbings, Matt Smith and Neville Bounds. Well, hello and welcome to episode number 250 of the Plane Talking UK podcast. I'm Carlos and we are back, our first live show of 2019 and with me in the PTUK studios, as always, pushing all the right buttons, it's Matt Smith. Although not necessarily in the right order, as I believe Eric Morecambe once said. <laughs> but so, yes. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. How are you? Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, everyone. Yes. <sighs> yes, I must say, Matt, you've um, either you've moved out of the PTUK studios or, or, or we have moved to uh, <laughs> yeah. an airfield somewhere in the world here with a Cirrus behind us. Uh, well, that's true, indeed. What's going uh, on, Matt? Well, so we've had a little bit of an upgrade in the studio during, during the, uh, the couple of weeks that we had off. I had a little play here in the studio. And behind us, is now a behave. Uh, there is now <laughs> stop it. Uh, there is now a green screen behind us, and uh, lots of you have been very kind in sending us in some amazing pictures. And what we thought we might do as a bit of a change uh, is actually put the pictures on the green screen behind us. So if you're watching on YouTube, uh, obviously those listening to the audio podcast has mean absolutely nothing to you. So apologies <laughs> for that. But uh, I'm going yes, to hand YouTube prop the Cirrus. Version, yeah, absolutely. And this picture was sent in by the lovely Evan Shoes. So this is actually his Cirrus, I think, if memory serves. It's very nice. It's very nice. It very, is, very yeah, shiny. Yeah. And joining us from his stately mansion in Buckinghamshire, <laughs> it is the awesome Neville Bounds. And it is in a bit of a state at the moment. Could do a bit of vacuuming and dusting, but uh, I tend to subcontract that to, to Mrs. Nev. Much <gasps> How rude. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, great to be back and uh, had a very nice uh, break over Christmas and the New Year, I'm pleased to say. I uh, went back to work on Wednesday of this week, which was a bit of a shock to the system. But yeah. uh, luckily, all my colleagues seem to have taken the rest of the week off, so it was fairly quiet. Oh, so quite, quite a quiet start to your week then, Which, which was yeah. nice. Yeah, yes. absolutely, I yeah. bet, yeah. So everything well with you? You had a good Christmas then, Nev? Very good. Went to Jersey uh, in the Channel Islands uh, on Christmas Eve, which was very nice with those very nice BA boys. Oh. And, uh, of course, when you're flying with the, uh, the Club Europe bit, um, of course, it's only a 35-minute flight from Gatwick, the drone airport, more of which later on. Oh. Um, uh, you've really got to stuff the food down at a, quite a... <laughs> Uh, Quite a rate right. of knots, yeah, okay. uh, which I did. Well done. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm now on a, quite a major diet as a result. Yeah, so I'm guess, guessing you were uh, yeah. were uh, on the uh, A320 now. A319. It's only a short short runway at uh, uh, Jersey, about five and a half thousand feet, I think it is. So, uh, and of course, we're very lucky too because um, the two flights I think that went after ours couldn't get into Jersey at all because of the fog, oh, wow. and so they had to turn around and go back to Gatwick because uh, there's no other diversions available. No, that's probably the, that's probably the shortest uh, alternative, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so, following on from one of the stories we had a few weeks back, Nev, did you have any lead shot in any of your um, meals on the aircraft? <laughs> No, I didn't. Well, not that I knew about anyway. Uh, but uh, yeah, that was uh, it was quite that was quite expensive, wasn't it? But uh, no, it was all, all fine. Thank you. The, oh, the cuisine was uh, up to the usual. Exquisite. Standard. Yes. <laughs> yes. So joining us this week on the show is a very very special oh, guest yes. indeed. I, feel, I really feel quite humbled. I know. I know. She it's, is it's, the it's person. Royalty. It's actual I know. She's royalty. the person yeah. who holds the whole of the APG show together with. The strongest glue in the yeah, world. I know. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. If you could lend me some, that would be great, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> of course, we're going to welcome onto the show Liz Piper. 
Hi, guys. What a treat to be asked to come on. I was so sorry I missed the uh, Christmas show, but uh, here we are in 2019. I know. I know. How is it 2019 already? How did that happen? Mm-hmm. I, 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 so, Liz, how are, how are things with you at home? I, I can see through, the, uh, through your video that the sun is shining where you are today. Yeah, it's an it's absolutely spring-like day here today. I think it's like up around uh, 10 Celsius. Wow. And uh, we had us. some snow, but it's all melted pretty much. And it's really lovely, so no complaints. Oh, good. We haven't had any snow yet here in the UK. We're... Well, we don't. No, we don't get snow apart from it's last coming next year, month. Do we? Yeah, we don't get <laughs> it's snow. coming next month. We don't get snow. We get snow. Snow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we're going to welcome on to or into the YouTube chat room all the lovely listeners who have joined us for the show tonight. Uh, loads of names in all the usual family members in there. Paul Tricker. We've got Owens in the chat room. Hello to you, Owen. Uh, Philip Davis, Richard Adams, uh, we've got uh, Richard King is also in the chat room. Masha's in the chat room. Hello to you, Masha. Uh, Jonathan Warner's in the chat room. He's looking forward to the military segment, which we haven't got this week. But anyway, uh, what? Neil Landwarn is in the chat room. Um, just going down the list. Have you anyone. seen who else in the chat room? It's oh, Graham uh, Haley. Hello to you, Graham Haley. Uh, yes, and oh, uh, Chris Griggs and, and, and Nev. Who else have we got? And Captain Jack, <gasps> who is checking up on well, this. Well, keeping an eye on Liz, absolutely, yeah, making sure the quality that, uh, is, uh, you know, up to uh, up to par. Yes, and absolutely. also yeah. Matthew Buntingframe is also joined us in a chat room. So welcome to he everyone. He must be one very tired buddy. He must be tired because yeah, he's because he was here, wasn't he? And he's mm. and he's now either flying or flown home. When did he fly home? Uh, day four yesterday, I think. It yeah, was. yeah, indeed. He must be one very tired human being. Yeah, but I think I think uh, Matthew Bunting Frame. I think he flew home on the Dreamliner or the A three fifty. So he's probably quite unjet lagged. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure it quite works like that. Nev, uh, <laughs> Nev what's your name? <laughs> oh huh? dear, Bob. <laughs> Bill, <laughs> I don't know. Sorry, I'll go and have a lie down. It's fine. I'll just so, sit here and press buttons. I'll, re- I'll remain silent. For date check then, guys and girls. It is the 4th of January 2019 with the time just coming up to six minutes past seven in the evening here in the UK. So it's safe to say we've got a busy show as always tonight. We've got all the usual awesome news stories. Uh, we've also got uh, the fifth instalment uh, from the Sir Richard Johns interview with uh, Captain Nick and uh, obviously Nev, who uh, put that together. Uh, we've also got another little interview as well, which uh, Matt and Nev done uh, recently with uh, uh, Mark Heffer, all about to do about uh, drones and being a drone pilot, and obviously to do with the, the incident at Gatwick, which happened over the Christmas period. Uh, at the end of the show, the tail end of the show, stay tuned because we are going to be drawing the winners of the Christmas competition. So uh, for those of you who have entered, we've had loads of entries, loads of uh, all correct answers as well, because all of you lot are just so blooming fantastic at answering the questions even though i must admit i did set some blooming hard questions this year so there were some stinkers in there weren't there it definitely was um so we're going to be drawing those at the end of the show so you'll have the chance to see who wins that book signed book by sir richard johns and all the other great prizes we've got as well uh, but we are uh, going to start. That, actually, oh. before we start, there well, are some complaints start. in the chat room, oh, by the okay. way, about the fact that there there is no military section. You've got two people who are very keen military <laughs> types who have both tuned in specially for oh. our, our, our 
presumably New Year's resolution of lots of military. Uh, that, although it's next week, <laughs> is it right? Week. Okay. Although Graham Haley has pointed out that the military were actually at Gap. Put, the Gap. They were at the, but the story does mention that actually <laughs> coming up coming up in a bit. One of the stories right. does mention the actual military involvement in okay. the Gatwick thing. So right. there we go. Okay. But don't forget, uh, don't panic. We will we will be getting back to normal programming right. um, very soon. <laughs> this is normal programming. <laughs> I did actually. Sit, do you know? I spent most of last night trawling through to get the stories for tonight's show and after checking the various you military you do websites, some research do you? I do a little oh, bit wow. yeah <laughs> you probably see by the time first, the gentlemen. time I sent the email to you guys was quite late last night I was um, in bed but, uh, I go to bed at nine <laughs> at nine god you're worse than Gemma she goes to bed about half past seven but uh, no there wasn't a lot there wasn't really anything kind of grabby Ooh, you see, um, you see, they're going to disagree with you now. You, you wait. Coming in via email in no time at all, <laughs> there will be lots. Send and lots. complaints into Matt Smith. Hey, now look Podca- here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Auntie Liz is going to see if she can sort of pop pop a military story in at some point, just yeah. by surprising us all. You see, so so send them to Auntie Liz. Anyway, uh, right, sorry, right. I, so I, I digress. We are <laughs> going to start the show then, as we do each week, with a rundown of the weekly news from around the world and the UK. So if you're ready, Matt. No. Good. I'm and having, if you're I'm ready, Nev. Hang on. Yeah, just just stall, stall for and a minute. Auntie stall Liz. for a minute. I have a slight oh. technical glitch. <laughs> <laughs> really? I'm yeah. ready. Yeah, no, it's all good. Yeah, here we go. Right. Let's go. <laughs> so, kicking off our first new story for 2019 then on the cnn.com website and the headline what are the world's safest airlines for 2019 so it's not something that most avid travelers think about but knowing you're in a reliable hands when flying from one side of the world to the other is always a plus which is why it's worth a glance at the annual airlineratings.com list naming the world's safest airlines and discovering which one is rated best For 2019, the airline at the top of the list, once again, is Austrian Carrier, uh, Australian Carrier, I should say, Australian Carrier, (laughs) Qantas. That was either the worst Australian accent I've ever heard in my life. Australian Carrier, Qantas. (laughs) Wow. Uh, Accidents involving air transport are still incredibly rare, uh, although the past 12 months saw a year-on-year rise in fatalities. Last year, airline ratings was unable to single out one airline over its rivals. This year... The Australia-based safety and product rating website had a more definitive outlook, says the editor-in-chief, Geoffrey Thomas. Qantas was a clear winner given its industry leadership in safety innovation, he tells CNN Travel, spotlighting the airline's new non-stop Australia-UK route for its reliability. Airline ratings analysed data for 405 airlines across the world to put together its list of the top 20 safest carriers. It used 12 separate criteria including audits from governments, aviation governing bodies and lead associations. Also considered were the crash and serious incident records for each carrier plus fleet age and profitability. Qantas held the accolade of airlines ratings world safest airline from 2014 to 2017 but took joint honours in 2018 when the website chose not to rank its top 20. For uh, 2019, Qantas is singled out as the best, while the remaining 19 safest airlines haven't been uh, ordered and are instead listed alphabetically. 
So the top 20 airlines, here we go, the safest ones. Uh, we've got Air New Zealand uh, in second place, Alaska Airlines, Al Nippon Airways, American Airlines, Austrian Airlines, British Airways, Cathay Pacific, uh, Emirates, Eva Air, Finnair, Hawaiian Airlines, KLM, Lufthansa, Qantas is obviously there in the list, uh, Qatar Airways and Scandinavian Airlines System, Singapore Airlines, Swiss and United Airlines and Virgin Group of Airlines, which includes Atlantic and Virgin Australia. United uh, returns to the list after being notably absent in 2018, excluded in 2019, are former stalwarts Japan Airlines and Etihad. Uh, it's uh, safe to say that um, all the I think all the big brands are there in the top twenty, uh, well, including BA. Obviously, uh, BA is obviously uh, has to be in there. Otherwise, Nev would be quite upset. Um, mm. See, yeah. I, I'm going to I'm going to throw a, a bit of a bit of a. Curve Where's Air board. Canada? Yeah, well, no, oh, no. Yes, exactly. Where's Air Canada? Yeah, yeah. No, fair yeah. Sorry, sorry, Liz. Yes, you're quite right. I'm going to throw a little bit of a uh, thing in here because actually, I I would argue. I mean, it's sort of. I, I know this is an American website. Maybe that's a a factor. But I mean, the one thing that I, obviously we'll be coming on to Ryanair in just a moment. But the one thing you can't really ever Where's hold Ryanair? against them is their is their safety record because yeah, yeah, true. They're actual. Well, to be an easy jet as well. To be fair, I mean the low cost carriers here. I mean that that's the whole thing, isn't it? I think it was somebody was telling me. I can't, I'm trying to remember who it was. It may even have been. Um, uh, someone at Farnborough, but they were saying, of course, as soon as you're ever in a situation, certainly uh, in regards to the UK, where low cost means low safety, then the model of low cost airlines is essentially mm. gone because uh, nobody will trust it uh, ever again. So, uh, I mean, yeah, I'd like to think perhaps if this hadn't been done by an American website, perhaps that we would have, uh, say, either Ryanair or EasyJet in there. Well, BA, yeah. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah, I know, but um, yeah. I don't. I, you know, I, I'm not normally one to stand up for Ryanair, but I, I just feel like <laughs> I, I feel like I need to. No, they know? do well. Yeah. So moving on to the next story, and Matt, uh, it's um, a bit a bit of worrying news if you're a Ryanair passenger. Right. Okay. Here we go. I've got a horrible feeling they're going to have one of those years again, aren't they? So this is on the Express, the Daily Express, which uh, here in the UK is really only recommended for use as wrapping your chips up really if i'm honest but anyway so the headline is ryanair cabin crew to strike three times in january are your flights next week affected so ryanair is once again to be hit by a series of strikes this month as cabin crew in spain threaten to walk out as early as next week this is what you need to know about the potential industry industrial action. Two unions, which represent Ryanair flight attendants in Spain, have called for three days of strikes, each lasting 24 hours. The budget airline now have 10 days to meet their needs and avoid the walkout. The cabin crew are demanding local contracts under local law instead of Irish-based contracts. USO representative Jaro Gonzalo said in a statement it was disgusting Ryanair continues to refuse to accept national law with all its consequences. It is uh, unprecedented that we still have to fight for Ryanair to comply with Spanish laws and because the rules of the game have to be translated uh, into a paper, added Oscar, uh, uh, the spokesman for the, uh, the is it the sit, sit, Sitpla Union? Sorry about that. So anyway, why are the, the uh, cabin crew striking? 
uh, claims by the union supporting the 1800 staff who work on bases in Spain suggest that they have worse working conditions than others due to Ryanair disregarding Spanish legislation. A statement from the two unions said um, from uh, uh, is it Sitpla? I'm, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry that I'm. Yes. Def- oh, is it? Is it Sipla? Okay, thank you. Uh, and the USO. We hope that the company will reconsider and agree to comply with Spanish legislation. Uh, so when were the last Ryanair strikes? Well, the Ryanair was hit by a crippling wave of strikes last summer. Irish pilots went on strike over a number of weeks with thousands of passengers affected. On the 28th of September, 250 flights were cancelled across Germany, Italy, the Netherlands, Portugal, Spain and Belgium. Approximately 30,000 passengers were affected by the strike. Ryanair's profit warning in October indicated the strikes cost the airline as much as 120 million euros. That's a big number, isn't it? Uh, So, are Ryanair customers owed compensation? Passengers were rejected for compensation as Ryanair argued it was an extraordinary circumstance. Mm. This means the airline is not liable to pay out. The UK Civil Aviation Authority, the CAA, revealed last month it is taking enforcement action against Ryanair. The airline maintains financial compensation is not payable under European Commission Regulation 261-2004 for flight disruption resulting from industrial action by airline staff. It's going to be a real pain if this does affect people because obviously a lot of people in Europe use Ryanair Mm. and um, the Express as they sometimes do with these stories have got one of these little video um, kind of questionnaires on the website uh, which you can click on. It says, are you flying with Ryanair this month? You give them three choices. Yes, and the strikes will affect me. Yes, the strikes won't affect me. And then another one says, no, I'm not flying with Ryanair. And the top of the list, 78%, uh, is the yes, and the strikes could affect me, which is um, rather worrying if you are a passenger travelling with Ryanair in the next uh, few weeks. Okay, so th- this is actually, while we're talking about Ryanair, this is this is actually surprisingly relevant. Well done to Owen for doing this for me. Um, but, oh, I've lost, oh, no, I've lost the, the thingy. Where's it gone? Ah, oh, okay, all right. Uh, well, th- this that would have been really funny if that had worked. <laughs> uh, keep talking. Anyway, everyone. Liz, you don't have to worry about these kind of things uh, over where you are, do you? You don't have uh, these kind of Ryanair-type airlines your side of the uh, the pond. Not well, we do actually. We have a couple of really ultra low cost carriers that have started lately Flare and what's the other one? Swoop. Oh, Swoop, but, yeah. Yeah, um, that flies out of Hamilton. But um, we don't seem to have had a lot of issues, labor issues with the airlines, touch wood. It just doesn't, in Canada anyway, we haven't had any strikes recently, so. No, indeed. Uh, actually, on the subject of Ryanair, say we, we we before the start of the show, we were asking for captions uh, in regard to uh, a, a screen grab that somebody had done uh, or us. Uh, oh, no. This one, this one was just been sent in by Owen. This is when you see your Ryanair bill after all the added extras. Uh, nice work there, Owen. Uh, very proud of you. <laughs> that's quite. That's oh, quite very good. good oh, Owen. we're going to have so much fun oh. with this. Keep in the suggestions, the suggested captions coming in. Stick them in the chat room. Oh, why Owen, did I do that? Me. excellent lovely anyway oh, i'm having so much fun this anyway moving on <laughs> swiftly on to the next story which uh, is a special ba one just for nev
It is, thank you. And it's on the uh, standards.co.uk website, and it says that British Airways has bought state-of-the-art de-icing cannons and is training baggage handlers how to operate them in order to stop its passengers getting stranded at Heathrow in heavy snow. Following chaos by the beast from the east blizzards in February, BA is training the staff to crew its 25 water cannon-style de-icing trucks. As part of preparations for freezing weather this winter, it's bought two new trucks, each costing £900,000. BA deals with more than 200 Heathrow departures daily, but cancelled more than 300 flights after heavy snowfall last year. The standard was shown BA's foul weather preparation at the airline's perimeter training facility. New volunteers who will be paid overtime are trained on a simulator and then a static training wing. Uh, the simulator helps develop hand-eye coordination and checks that they can work under pressure. Half an hour. Uh, each uh, Danish built truck features a cab that unfurls and lifts the operator high into the air. A sprayer arm gives them enough reach to blast the widest wings with a glycol fluid uh, mix heated to 65 degrees centigrade. Uh, each truck holds 8,000 litres. It can take 1,000 litres to clear an A380 and 740 litres for a 747 jumbo jet. Up to six trucks will work at once on an A380, which can be de-iced in 20 minutes, while smaller planes can be cleared in just three minutes. Planes cannot fly while iced up as it disrupts airflow over the wing. Mick Field, BA's training quality and compliance manager for winter operations, said, we have a core team of 63 staff and throughout the summer they wash aircraft. During the winter they de-ice. But when things get really bad, we call on our winter operations team from loading and baggage. They're our secret weapon, so they are trained every 28 days. Um, I'm not going to make the obvious comment about baggage handlers and hand-eye coordination, having seen <laughs> some of the efforts on YouTube. Uh, but um, it's an interesting development. That's all I'm going to say about that. I must say, Nev, we said about this before we start the show, that I love the, uh, the, way, the fact they've got a sim... Um, a, a, a de-icing truck simulator. I, I just yeah, that and, and that's that's great. But of course, just imagine the you know the, the real weather conditions that they're going to be out there using this stuff. Uh, the simulator has got no hope of uh, um, trying to you know, replicate that at all. So um, I, I'm not quite sure how much value that brings, really. But I think on-the-job training is probably better but uh we'll have to see how it goes we probably won't get any uh, bad weather at all this year having said all that <laughs> yeah so, it's usually the way isn't it yeah. yeah oh a quick welcome as well into the chat room stephen ivy has joined us oh, in the wow. chat room hello stephen hope you're doing well with the uh, with the job i i did hear him uh, on a certain other podcast uh, just recently yeah right yeah, okay i wonder well. which one that was i know yeah I'm <laughs> not gonna mention him no okay. so so moving on to... Uh, uh, actually, before we move on, there's, yes. there's, I've just had another oh, meme coming. No. I'm going to have so much fun with this. There we go. Uh, when your Ryanair, kite, when your Ryanair flight hasn't been cancelled. Uh, excellent. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no? Oh, uh, right. Keep coming, guys. Anyway. Please do. <laughs> I'm just... I'm just uh, where was Jonathan Warner's uh, name here for the Christmas competition? Stop it. Move uh, on. Anyway. Yeah. Um, right. Moving swiftly on to the next story, uh, which uh, Auntie Liz is uh, for you Alrighty then, it's from a Canadian news source, ctvnews.ca, and it's a first-class gaffe, cafe to honour cheap ticket error. 
Scores of savvy travelers will be sipping heavily discounted champagne in first-class recliners on Cathay Pacific flights this year after the airline agreed to honor tickets that were mistakenly sold at a fraction of their value. Airline and travel blogs went into overdrive on New Year's Eve after eagle-eyed shoppers noticed the carrier was offering, offering first and business class tickets on its website from Vietnam to the United States and Canada for as little as US $670. That represented a staggering discount a first class round trip would usually cost $16,000 <laughs> and a business class flight four to $6,000. That represents, uh, sorry, it took two days for Cathay to publicly acknowledge the error with the airline on Wednesday saying it would indeed honor the cheap fares. Quote, we made a mistake, but we look forward to welcoming you on board with your ticket issued, the airline said on Twitter, calling the mistake a very good surprise special on New Year's Day. A spokesman for Cathay declined to say how many tickets were sold at the discounted price. Wang Guanran, a travel blogger who writes under the alias Dominicus on the HongKongTravelBlog.com, said he was working in the early hours of New Year's Day when he spotted websites alerting people to cheap flights around 5 a.m. Hong Kong time. In two hours, he managed to snap up five first-class round trips from Vietnam to New York for 840 each, and a business class flight for $699. After that, the searches on Cathay's website stopped working. I imagine, I, I can't imagine why. Perhaps it melted. Um, <laughs> I think that yeah, might well, be why. <laughs> I was very lucky, he told AFP. Most people in Hong Kong were sleeping after celebrating and they totally missed it. Most of those awake when the glitch hit would have been in Europe and North America. Until then, it wasn't looking like a good new year. I'd been working and was missing my family. Estimating the flights will earn him some 400,000 air miles. He said he had a hunch Cathay would honor the prices. I was betting on the fact that really good, I was betting on the fact they really need good publicity right now. Um, Cathay had a tough year in 2018. It continued to struggle with the rise of cheaper mainland Chinese rivals, losing 33 million dollars the, in the first six months of the year. Then in October, it admitted a massive data breach, five months after hackers made off with the data of 9.4 million customers, including passport numbers and credit card details. Regis Chung, who bought three round-trip tickets from Vietnam to New York and one to Vancouver for around $800 each, welcomed Cathay's move. If they didn't honor the tickets, people would end up hating Cathay even more because of the latest data scandal, she told AFP. Their response has helped improve their image. It's not the first time airlines have sold cheap fares by mistake. In 2014, Singapore Airlines agreed to honor some 400 business class flights to Australia sold at economy prices. Last year, Hong Kong Airlines said it would do the same when a similar mistake was made. Air Canada is currently involved in a class action suit at home for refusing to honor a similar price in, tw in a mistake in 2015. 
Wow. So I nice mean, New Year's present for those folks. I mean, I, I, one of the things that we were talking about, I think, before we started the show, weren't we, is actually, I know this will have cost them a lot of money in comparison to how <laughs> much quid. it would normally do, but, I mean, the, the, the PR involved in this is just amazing. I mean, they, could, they couldn't have done it better. You no, know, indeed. I really don't think they could have played it any better. In fact, there, there are many airlines, BA, uh, who could perhaps <laughs> learn a lesson or two from, uh, from you know, how, how these sort of said faux pas are being handled to be honest no they've done themselves a big favor i think uh, liz with this and uh, you know honoring the the, the you know the tickets and stuff i think that's uh, it's like i said it's good pr for the airline it certainly is definitely yeah definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah yeah i've got another meme for you by the way uh, there we are so, so when carlos has to fly airbus i think that i think uh, that's my favorite currently uh, <laughs> just need to add the words a330 on there and that'll be fine oh right you're not a particular fan of, you're not a fan of the a330 <laughs> no, knows why oh, right. oh, um right. okay. yes so uh, so yes i do Good. love in jokes that's that's fine <laughs> i'll tell you, tell you what nev i think we're gonna have to be on the ball here and cat and, and look at all the different airlines um for uh, for dubai and try and kind of catch one when they're having a a uh, technical glitch <laughs> <laughs> right, that's a good idea that. isn't it yes and we just happen to be there with our uh, uh, video and audio gear yeah and, absolutely uh, yes, yes yes as long as they honor it of course yeah, yeah. Long as they honor it, exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah quite yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah indeed so the next story is uh, on the telegraph.co.uk uh, website and uh, it's good news for all those who like to be uh, kind of environmentally friendly because uh, the world's first plastic free flight is here but will other airlines follow so the world's first plastic free flight took to the skies just after christmas operated by portuguese airline that says it can no longer ignore the impact of the single-use material on the environment high fly which for those of you who watched our farmer specials will know that they had their a380 there uh, this uh, in 2018 uh, a company that wet leases aircraft in Portugal and Malta replaced plastic cutlery and containers with bamboo and com uh, compostable alternatives. Uh, crafted from recyclable material, the flight took passengers from the carrier's headquarters in Lisbon, Brazil on an A340 on Boxing Day and is the first of three more test flights to follow, all carrying a total of 700 travellers. Uh, the aim, according to High Fly President Paulo Mapuri, is to adopt a plastic-free policy on all of its flights by the end of 2019. He says that we know from the feedback we have received from client airlines and passengers that it's the right thing for the airline to be doing, Mapuri said. These test flights will prevent around 350 kilograms of single-use, virtually indestructible plastics from poisoning the environment. He told the Canadian television network CTV, we can no longer ignore the impact plastic contamination has on the ecosystem as well as on human health. Among uh, the scores of single-use plastic items that have been replaced are cups, spoons, salt and pepper shakers, packaging for bedding, dishes, individual butter pots, soft drink bottles and toothbrushes. Highfly specialises in leasing wide-body aircraft to carriers that need extra capacity at peak times and it covers 400 destinations and serves 200 airlines. 
Last August, for example, it leased an A380 to Norwegian uh, due to the budget carries issues with the engines on the Dreamliner. Scrapping single-use plastic is a promising move for the aviation industry, but will other airlines follow the lead? Mm. Last year, Ryanair pledged to go plastic-free by 2020 as part of a five-year plan to become the greenest airline, in part by eliminating non-recycled plastics from both uh, its aircraft and head offices. An encouraging, if particular, promise given uh, Ryanair's chief executive, Michael O'Leary, has been famously quoted calling environmentalists... <laughs> Ludities marching us back into the 18th century. Of course, he would say something like that. But uh, according to the International Airline Tra or International Air Transport Association (IATA), uh, airline passengers generated over 5.7 million tons of cabin waste in 2017, a figure that would That's be set to double within 15 years if no action was taken. Yeah. In October, Air New Zealand announced that it had already removed 3,000 straws and more than 7 million coffee stirrers and over half a million eye mask bags and toothbrushes from its lounges and aircraft, but over the next year it will be banning a further 14 plastic items, among them plastic cups, lids and bags. In the US, Alaska Airlines has the use of plastic straws and Delta has begun phasing them out as well. So it's, I'll tell you what, it's good news all in all uh, that uh, it, you know things are moving quite swiftly now with uh, the, the removal of plastic. I know that in the UK here a lot of the restaurants and chains have removed plastic straws from use, moving to paper straws um, and uh, it's good to see the airlines doing the same thing with more fuel efficient uh, aircraft coming online with engines yeah. it's just a, a progression really and to become more greener yeah indeed in fact actually i mean again uh, owen was just saying in the chat room there actually uh, good luck good good work by high fl high fly there because the amount of single-use plastic especially mm. on an a380 as i can imagine just because of the sheer size is huge so i mean it's uh what do you think liz it's all good news isn't it i like it i think it's it's long overdue mm. I, I think um I think if we knew what went on behind the scenes, we'd be shocked by how much waste they're generating. So this is great. Yeah. <laughs> Perhaps BA will follow suit next, Nev. I think everybody's under pressure really to uh, reduce the whole you know, environmental problem that everybody is creating. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, and it's long overdue, all this stuff, isn't it? So it's probably uh, a good thing that we're seeing some initiative. By some it's of a, the, it uh, is a tricky animals. one, though, isn't it? Because I suppose the, the trouble, I think... I think we're a little bit guilty of having sort of almost generated this problem ourselves. Because, I mean, if you go back, you've got to go back far. So let's say you go back sort of 25, 30 years, and obviously there was a time where, uh, you know, milk bottles obviously delivered on the doorstep. You used to have, uh, what was it? Was it Corona or whatever it was? The glass US, the, bottles, yeah. the, the bottles, they were glass bottles. Mm -hmm. They went back and they were washed. Um, I, I mean, we've we're, we're sort of created this problem ourselves, haven't we, in the fact that we live in a society now where uh, hygiene is key and so we want like single use stuff because we just purely for hygiene reasons for throwing it away uh, I mean and yet somehow we're almost sort of going back in time by going back to a time where actually sterilizing the stuff was was enough I mean I don't really know why we moved away from it in the first place I mean you know it, it's 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 a it's a problem we've created ourselves haven't we? it's good we? news though yeah. Yeah. Oh no, I agree. Yeah. No, no, that, that that's my point though. Is yeah. that I'm surprised that we're, you know, we're we're almost having to roll the clock back to to a time when we were doing that anyway. Because High Fly had that A380 with the um, coral reef design. They did, on the yeah, farm, beautiful it was. Quite yeah. Nice. yeah, very Which, nice. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it was a it was a stunning aircraft. Yeah.
So moving on to the next story, and uh, Matt, it's uh, it's another little Ryanair story. Yes, it? indeed. So this uh, is good news for Ryanair on this occasion, rather Woo-hoo. than talking about strikes. It's on the Irish Times, and the headline is Ryanair passenger traffic reaches 10 million in December. So uh, passenger traffic at Ryanair rose 9% to 10 million in December 2018, the airline said. Load factor, a measure of how full the flights are, was 95%. Uh, Ryanair operated a total of 57,000 flights in December. Let's just, I know we all take the mickey out of them for this. Let's just absorb that number for a moment, shall we? So in, uh, what is it, how many, is it 30 or 31? 31 days in December, isn't there? Yeah. yeah. So in 31 days in December, bearing in mind one of them they won't have been flying, because yeah. they don't fly on Christmas Day. I think I've got that right. Haven't I? They don't fly on Christmas I think so, Day. Yeah. I know they fly Christmas Eve, and I know yeah. they fly Boxing Day, but they don't, I'm, I'm pretty sure they don't operate on on Christmas Day. And the load factor, uh, sorry, they operated a total of fifty-seven thousand flights in one calendar month. That's that's a really big phenomenal. number, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, uh, any loud loud emotion? Who is the airline founded by uh, former? Uh, Formula One driver Nicky Lauder, and in which Ryanair has a 75% stake, carried 300,000 passengers over the month. Whoa! So who who's Lauder motion? Who we need all? They're that's the like they um a, a part of I think now uh, Nev Ryanair they've um yes they 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 are part of part of a group basically so uh, okay. yes Ryanair's built a stake in yeah. so, yeah. Yeah. so they they ca- oh oh they carried over three hundred thousand passengers you know over a month I mean that's just those that's insane so only in total uh, Ryanair has carried one hundred thirty nine point two million passengers over the past year an eight percent rise in the oh. same period a year ago. That's I mean, they're, they're phenomenal. They're huge <laughs> numbers, aren't <laughs> Honestly. they? Honestly. This is the thing. That's, that's what I, said, I just can't get my... So this is this isn't a, this is bums on seats. So the amount of flights that Ryanair <laughs> basically took off in all their various bases, you know, basically in Europe, because that's where, where they all fly to, 57,000 flights in one calendar. I wonder month. how many of those flights were full to capacity. Well, I mean, it, well, mm. 95% load factor is what they're mm. sort of suggesting. So I would I would argue perhaps quite full. Uh, yeah. But uh, anyway, yeah, well done, well done, well Ryan done, Ryan 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 Ryan. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So moving on to the next story, and uh, Nev, you've got some uh, some good reasons to fly with uh, BA. Yes, nineteen of them to be precise. Oh, I, I don't know how they've come up with nineteen. I'll try and rattle through these rather quickly because it might become a little bit tedious. But let's see how we get on. Uh, it's on the Russ Tourism News, and uh, it says that British Airways New Year's resolution is to provide its customers with even more quality and choice in every cabin on every route with a £6.5 billion investment and 19 great reasons to look forward to flying with the airline in 2019. Here are some of the reasons to fly with British Airways this year. The January sale, which is on now, you can uh, bag a bargain, uh, it says, and uh, uh, you can um, to dozens of uh, top global destinations. Uh, new routes. Customers can try out the uh, airline's new routes to Charleston, uh, Pittsburgh, Osaka, Coz and Corsica, Ljubljana and Montpellier, amongst others. Uh, new aircraft coming as well. Uh, there's uh, 15 new aircraft being delivered this year, including four of the A350 aircraft. Uh, it's also a brand new Club World seat, which is being featured on the new A350 aircraft and two 777 aircraft by the end of the year. 
Uh, Wi-Fi, it says that the best live streaming Wi-Fi on all short-haul flights and the vast majority of long-haul flights so customers can sit back and enjoy films and TV shows from their favourite streaming service. I wait to be convinced. Yes, indeed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see how many frames get dropped uh, when they're streaming all that. But well, I, I, out, of, it, so out of 25, Nev, I'm going to guess 21. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. We'll have to see. Yeah. Uh, it's also a new look for the first class section, uh, new dining, bedding and amenity kits from one of the UK's best loved designers. An industry leading makeover for World Traveller Plus. Look out for new bedding and new dining in this intimate and exclusive cabin. Ooh. New lounges, uh, they're going to be in uh, San Francisco, Johannesburg, Geneva and JFK. Uh, extended partnerships with premium uh, Dining Supremo, Doe & Co, the uh, airline's new in-flight caterer from Heathrow, and already which were very tasty, I have to say, because I've won the other week. Uh, new BA.com homepage, uh, new partners for the BA Executive Club, digital bag tags. I'm going to give this a go myself. Uh, it's a UK first. Sync your personal baggage tag with the BA app, drop your luggage at the airport, and fly. What could possibly go wrong there? Uh, Self-service baggage drops at Heathrow Terminal 3, offering customers the same service as in T5. Facial recognition technology, mm, more biometric technology at Heathrow, London City and Gatwick, New York, JFK, Orlando, Los Angeles and Miami. The system makes boarding faster and more convenient, helping British Airways depart uh, flights on or ahead of time. New emissions-free remote control pushback vehicles for long-haul aircraft. We've seen some of those at uh, Heathrow already. And short-haul versions, uh, re re uh, also, um, which reduce pushback delays by more than 70%. New winter equipment, which we've just heard about as well. Hotel reservations, investment in new technology. We'll see rooms automatically booked for customers who miss their flights due to disruption. Hmm. <laughs> one saying how that works uh, enhanced customer service almost 30,000 staff will receive the airline's all new customer service training at T5 more airport hosts than ever uh, before are being uh, retrained to manage any customer issues from rebookings to upgrades, lounge access, baggage and transfer queries and flight information. And last but not least, and uh, Dave Walsworth, uh, who flies the BA380 on, uh, for the airline, uh, mentioned this on his Twitter feed, look out for the BA centenary celebrations. It's going to be 100 years old this year and will be celebrating in style, sharing its heritage and looking at what to expect from flying in the future. And Dave was saying that there's, they've got some very special things uh, lined up for this year. So we'll wait and see. Well, that sounds like a nice, nice long list of positive things. Isn't yeah, it? yeah. Well, I mean, they did have a bit of a bit of a kind of rough, tickly year in 2018. Then, and it seems like they are really kind of um, trying to improve themselves for 2019. Nev, what do you say? I think Alex Cruz has had so many complaints uh, about <laughs> everything to do with the airline. I think they've yeah. had to really, you know, improve things now. It looks like they're, they're doing the right things. Yeah, it's very good. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Liz. Yeah, in fact, oh, actually, as we move oh, on to the next oh, one, uh, we, we've had oh, another meme no. coming. This one especially is for Auntie Liz, actually, and I'm sure she will appreciate oh. this more than anyone else. There we are. <laughs> <laughs> Who sent that in? That, that was, well, it's, uh, they're coming in on the chat room, um, but uh, Owen is creating them for us. So it's, <laughs> when APG true. starts, we might have to keep that. We might have to send that to them. And I go, think so. And, here's, think so. and here's the live version. There we are. Very good. Okay. Uh, anyway, sorry, do carry on, Auntie Liz. <laughs> sorry about that. 
<laughs> anyway, carry okay, on, so Liz. The next item is from abcnews.go.com, but it's about a Toronto story. Airline okay. employee goes viral after video shows him dancing on the tarmac. When Jamal Allen danced on the tarmac at Toronto Pearson International as an airline airplane prepared for takeoff this holiday season, he thought the only people who would see his moves were the passengers and more specifically the crying child on board who he was trying to make smile. I felt like I needed to brighten that child's life, Allen told ABC News recently. I just made her smile, so then I continued to dance. But ever since the moment was captured on video and posted to Twitter, his energetic sidesteps and shimmies have been watched more than 1.71 million times. <laughs> it was a really big impact, said Alan. It made a great way to end 2018. Alan, 28, who has worked for American Airlines for two years, said the dancing didn't interfere with his duties as customer service agent, but it did show him how much he enjoys show how much he enjoys his job. I just love what I do and I love making the passengers happy, said Alan. In an interview with ABC News, Alan said people on board planes recognize him and he still dances every now and then on the tarmac. Alan said his sudden internet stardom has come as a surprise and while he enjoys dancing, his dream is actually to become a pilot. For now, though, he's just happy the video took off. I usually don't really have an impact on anyone. No one really notices me, said Alan. So for this to happen, for this to surface, it's actually a blessing. Now, this is really interesting because Captain Nick had quite a bit to say about this. He was not impressed at all by oh, this. Oh, really? Oh, oh yeah. dear. He just, not to really speak for him, but I will. Yeah. Um, he thinks this is a critical safety area that's very dangerous on the ramp and that this kind of clowning around just isn't acceptable. So, you know, just another point of view. I mean, it, it's cute, it's fun to watch, but, you know, as soon as someone gets hurt or a plane gets uh, oh, hit by wow. a plane or something. You're just seeing the uh, video on YouTube now. I, 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 I know what you're saying. saying. I'm, I'm in agreement with Nick there because, uh, you know, that we see so many accidents and incidents on, on the ramp uh, for all sorts of reasons, you know, handling the aircraft, you know, professionally, hopefully. And then you've got this fella. And uh, I just don't think that's the right thing to be doing on the ramp. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I it guess, made for amusing watching. I guess I, I'm, I'm a little bit on the fence on this one. I, I can see everybody's point of view. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, a part of me is pleased he's enjoying his his employment. Let's 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 put it that way. <laughs> I, I suppose he, he, I mean, he, all those views and stuff, you know, he's, he's, he's done, you know. Yeah. It, yeah although it is, it is, I see the point that Nick Nick makes a safety. Yeah, issue, absolutely. But, um, yeah, yeah. No, I, no, I can. Yeah. But then, then you could. I mean, you know, opening the net slightly wider, and obviously we've we featured them before. But you know, you, you could perhaps argue again the safety videos that uh, yeah, you know true. where they've got yeah. celebrities and stuff. Again, it's that mm. saying it's a very critical um, safety. You know that 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 video or, or, or demonstration is critical to mm. your success of getting out of the aeroplane. Perhaps if something awful did happen, uh, you know, and maybe sort of filling it with celebrities and stuff is more of a distraction than than a help. I don't know. I, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, I can I can see the argument uh, for for this guy um, very much. But. So the next story is uh, on a fantastic uh, publication here in the UK, the sun.co.uk. And uh, wow, <laughs> I know. For those of you who uh, like to go out and have a nice meal, and when you get served by really nice staff, 
he liked to give them a little extra tip at the end of the meal. Well, the uh, headline here is tipped off. Uh, airline is asking passengers to tip the cabin crew when buying the drinks round. So passengers uh, on US-based Frontier Airlines are now prompted to leave a tip for the cabin crew during the drinks service. What? Passengers travelling on US-based Frontier Airlines may be in for a shock the next time they order a drink. The budget carrier now suggests that passengers should tip the flight attendants after serving them. According to JT Genta at the Points Guy, he was handed a mobile tablet after ordering a soft drink during a flight. The on, sc on the screen it said, gratuities are appreciated. The default tips were set at 15%, 20% and 25% and a custom percentage is also possible. Passengers are also given the option not to tip. A Frontier spokesperson told the website currently tips are shared amongst all members of the flight crew on a given flight. Effective January the 1st, 2019, flight attendants will earn tips on their individual sales. The airline also confirmed that none of the tips will be taken by the company and all of the money goes to the cabin crew. Frontier's service charge policy is very unusual as some airlines have actively discouraged passengers from tipping. Jojo Harder, a former flight attendant, told USA Today that the flight attendants should not be tipped as it was not allowed. Tokens of appreciation such as chocolates, gifts or magazines are often recommended instead. Sun Online Travel previously revealed that uh, one way to avoid annoying flight crew during a service is to avoid pressing the call button to request items. So, uh, yeah, mm. tipping... I mean, actually, there's a couple of points in the chat room I'll make, if I may, actually. Yeah, far away. Far um, away. So, uh, I mean, Masha has, has said, uh, is this code for, is this code speak for we can't be bothered to pay our cabin crew a decent wage ourselves? Mm. Uh, there is that. And obviously, everybody's favourite ca cabin crew, Owen, he, he's actually saying uh, that, uh, you know, he even as cabin crew, I think this isn't a great idea. Yeah, Dave Abbey has also said, not into the tipping thing for flight attendants. No. Yeah. Um, Yes, and, and now, and obviously, certainly Dave, where Dave is from, of course, I mean, tipping is a huge thing, isn't it? In the especially, US, yeah. Especially yeah. In, in New York. I mean, it's a it's a massive, massive thing. I, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I suppose the thing is, if you've it received exemplary service, you don't need a card machine to to tell you to do it because you're likely to do it to anyway. tip them anyway. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's the it's the same thing. I mean, it's like I, I've been in restaurants in the UK. It's, it's the same. You know, I've been into restaurants where if I've had good service, then I will tip. If I've had terrible service, then I won't. But I don't need a machine to prompt me as to whether I'm going to tip them or not. Uh, Stephen Ivey's just put, pointed out quite an important p uh, point actually. Mm. That uh, what about the pilots? <laughs> you know, if, right. if they okay. make a good landing, uh, right? Okay. Do they deserve you know, a tip? A polite round of applause. A round of applause. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Uh, but what, what do you think of this, Liz? I'm not in favour. I think it's. Um, I mean, the flight attendants make such a, a important point that their job is really safety. Yeah. And it's not being it's not being a flying waitress. And I think this goes against that whole image. It, it kind of yeah. reinforces the thought that they are indeed flying waitresses or waiters. Yeah, and indeed. And I just don't agree with it. 
and of course they're not. I mean, they're the ex- they're the exact opposite of that, aren't they? I mean, they are yeah. they are responsible for making sure that that we get out of the aeroplane safety. I mean, yes, all right, they do do a a service. You know, they are they are sort of serving drinks and stuff, but that is a very small part of of their role, isn't it? It's that's more just for our our, our amusement, isn't it? Well, not amusement, but you know, just to make mm. us a little bit more more comfortable so yeah. I, I know that you know nearly every time that me and Gemma fly over long haul short haul that we'll always make a point when we when we you know deep you know deplane the aircraft is to always you know say thank you to the to the yeah. you know the flight crew when we leave i think that you know that's nice just to yeah. say something like uh, uh owen's actually added he said the best thing you can do uh for uh, uh as a passenger sorry for cabin crew is to write them a good review on the feedback page of the airline's website hmm. yeah, so perhaps that's yeah, that's that's a very good idea. So, ladies and gentlemen, we should all do that. If you've received good service, then do that. Isn't it, what, isn't there an, uh, one of the big US carriers who have a, a, a system? I think Brian has mentioned it before, Brian yeah. Coleman, that you can give them a, a some kind of golden ticket or something that gets them. Yeah, you, and you, uh, BA do that as well. Yeah, you yeah. can give them a a, a, a gold mm. star or something like that, mm. and uh, that gets uh, gets through to their. Uh, managers and all the rest of it, so it's uh, great. Uh, uh, Mr. Tricker has actually said, if they have me a card machine, I'll give them a tip, but it won't be monetary-based. <laughs> Family show. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, I'm just reading the comments in the chat room. Very, yeah. very entertaining, I will say. Yeah, absolutely. Some Most of them we can't read out, but, yeah. you know, thanks for that. Yeah, uh, so uh, <laughs> moving on to uh, the next story. And, uh, yeah... A little taster of what's to come after the news, isn't this story? It's ah, story. right. It must be drone time then. Yes, yeah, so this is on the BBC News website. And uh, I think it's fair to say, Nev, I don't think I'm speaking out of turn. I'll say more, more uh, to, to do with that a bit later. Uh, but I think it's fair to say that the, the, the reporting hasn't been particularly balanced uh, when it comes to this incident. It's, it's been hopeless from start to finish yeah. and we're still no closer to knowing what really happened no. either indeed so uh, normally the bbc which are which are i have to say usually quite good but uh, uh, i think even they've missed the mark if i'm honest but anyway so this story is now, you see, if we had uh, richard westcott back on good point doing his transport yep. bit then we wouldn't have had any of this at all is my no. personal opinion indeed there. now i now i'm going to be a bit selfish here nev because obviously because we do live in the east of england and he's now based in cambridge we see an awful lot of him and he's very good uh, doing uh, the sciencey bits and pieces which we have. So, so as a look east viewer, I'm very keen that he's here because he, mm. he adds a bit of a. But I do know exactly what you mean because he was very, um, you know, he he did a lot of research, didn't he? Before he didn't jump to any conclusions, yeah. which was nice. Anyway, I digress. So the headline is get this on the BBC News website, and the headline is Gatwick drones military stood down after airport. Chaos. So unless you've been stuck under a stone, obviously you'll know exactly what this story is all about. It's pretty typical that one of the biggest stories would break while we were on our two-week holiday. But anyway, <laughs> there we are. Uh, military capability deployed to counter uh, illegal drone flights at Gatwick Airport has been withdrawn, the Ministry of Defence has said. The RAF was deployed as hundreds of flights were cancelled on the 20th of December following repeated drone sightings. Gatwick said it had spent £5 million to prevent future attacks but would not comment on the nature of the system. Sussex police, said, Sussex police said no arrests have been made since a couple were released without charge on the 23rd of December. Uh, more than 140,000 passengers were affected by about 1,000 cancellations and delays during the 36 hours of chaos. 
Uh, people reported being stuck on planes for hours, missing family holidays, job interviews, and finding themselves landing in airports they weren't expecting. Police said at the time uh, that attempts to catch whoever was controlling the drones were painstaking because each time we believe we get close to the operator, the drone disappears. Uh, when we look to reopen the airfield, the drone reappears. The drones were first spotted in, on the evening of the 19th of December and the knock-on effects uh, from so many cancelled flights meant delays continued into the weekend. It was previously reported that the Israeli-developed drone dome system which can jam communications between the drone and its operator was deployed. However, it is understood that the MOD is still waiting to receive the equipment and an alternative system has been used at Gatwick. A £50,000 reward for information leading to a conviction in the case uh, has been offered by Crime Stoppers, which said it had passed on close to 30 pieces of information to law enforcement within the first 24 hours. A suggestion by senior Sussex uh, police officer that there may have been no drones at all was later dismissed as miscommunication. The force has now said it is investigating relevant sightings from 115 witnesses, 93 of whom it described as credible including airport staff, police officers and a pilot. Chief Constable Giles York said some of the drones spotted may have belonged to the police and caused confusion. Right. Uh, but, but he said uh, that it was absolutely certain a drone had been flying near the runway during the disruption. The MOD said the military capability has now been withdrawn from Gatwick. The armed forces stand ever ready to assist should a request for support be received. It had previously been reported the army assisted at Gatwick, but the MOD confirmed it had deployed personnel from the Royal Air Force Regiment. So it's uh, we're, we'll we'll leave that story for now, actually, because I think we're going to come back to that and uh, we'll perhaps get comments. Yeah, stop droning on, Matt. Uh, really, uh, <laughs> that's painful. Uh, but we're going to come back to that uh, very shortly because we, uh, myself and Nev, had a chat with uh, uh, a very keen. Uh, drove Mark, wasn't it? Mark Heffer, wasn't it? We had a mm. chat with mm. him uh, later, but we'll come back to this story, I think, in more detail later. So moving on to the next story then, Nev. Yeah, it's on the next uh, nextbigfuture.com website, and it talks about the two new airport mega hubs, uh, which they're hoping to lower international uh, airfares in 2019. Uh, Istanbul in Turkey and Daxing Airport in Beijing will both open in 2019 to add huge competition for international airport mega hubs. The airports are state-supported and will provide airport competition and extra capacity for a combined 160 million passengers. This should lower airfares with more planes and companies will have space and the effect should be to lower prices. Uh, it's expected that a London to Sydney flight could be as cheap as $350. A little way off that somehow but uh, Istanbul airport should be fully open in March 2019 the uh, airport should be able to support 90 million passengers initially then ramp up to 200 million passengers per year the airport costs 12 billion dollars and covers 26 square miles that's more than the area than the whole of Manhattan uh, Daxing airport in China is expected to be open on September the 30th 2019 It'll serve as a major international hub in North China. It'll have four runways, 
268 parking bays and a 700,000 square meter terminal area. The airport is expected to be the world's uh, largest airport upon completion. The new airport is also expecting a total of seven runways in the future in order to accommodate 620,000 flights and 100 million passengers each year. Uh, Daxing Airport will cover uh, 47 square kilometers, 18 square miles, and have a 700,000 square meter, which is uh, 7.5 million square foot terminal. China will overtake America as the biggest aviation market by 2022 and will go on to hit a total of 1.5 billion passengers by 2036. China has about 620 million air travel passengers in 2018 and should have almost 700 million passengers in 2019. China should have nearly 150 million international air passengers in 2019. Uh, so we can see where the growth is coming there, folks, can't we? And there's some eye-watering numbers there too, aren't there? Incredible. Absolutely yeah. incredible growth. I know that um, obviously because for those of you who uh, live in the UK, I know that uh, most people will fly direct from uh, London Heathrow and Gatwick to the Middle East. But I know that uh, Turkish Airlines do offer a, um, a, a stopover in Istanbul uh, on the way to Dubai and their flight prices are incredibly cheap uh, with that stopover. Mm. But yeah, it'd be, it'd be good to see what these uh, how these airports cope when they do obviously eventually get up to full capacity and uh, and run. But uh, no, it they are like you said, Nev, very large figures of uh, people. Yeah. yeah, very scary. Indeed. So Liz, the last story is a bit uh, got a bit of a wow to it. This one. It does. It's a wow story. So it's from businessweekly.co.uk, and the headline is wow. Stansted coup as Icelandic airline switches from Gatwick. Ultra-low-cost Icelandic airline Wow Air is moving its London Gatwick service across to Stansted from March 31st. Oh, wow. Mm. The new schedule from London Stansted will see daily flights to Keflavik depart at 11.20, allowing passengers to make onward connections to the U.S. and Canada. Mats Sigurdsson, love the name, Stansted's aviation director oh i thought he was with wow we're delighted that wow air has chosen to base its london operation at london stansted airport we saw really high demand over the summer from passengers choosing wow's flights to reykjavik and beyond to destinations across the united states and inbound tourism to london and the east of england we look forward to welcoming more wow passengers to stansted early this year Flights are available to book now for travel on select dates between April and May and September and October. To further expand its UK market, the airline will be reintroducing its Edinburgh to Keflavik route following a seasonal pause with flights starting from June. Flights will operate three times per week, also ensuring time for transatlantic connections. Stansted officials are meanwhile stepping up efforts to bring direct flights to China and India into the Essex hub as a matter of priority. So that's good news for you guys in your part of the world, eh? Oh, very much so, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Because Stans is close to us. Very close, absolutely. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. It's um, just trying to see where the... Um, when, does it, when did it say it started? It's uh, from... March and... Oh, hang on a second. It said uh, April and May and September and October. Oh, okay. Just April and May, yeah. So Carlos is just trying to find some flights, actually. Um, we're just just intrigued see. to see how much the flights. Yeah, the flights. Oh, here we go. Oh, uh, So we go. Here we go. Eight bound, eight bound flights from London Stansted to Boston. 
okay. So we're going to Boston. We're going to go and see uh, Dana. Right, okay, good. And here we go. If we click on that there, so that's that one there, that one there. Uh, return flight to Boston, or Boston, to see Dana. We'll uh, come in at £526. That seems quite reasonable. Does it, is it, I don't know, how does that, how does that fare? How does that, that sound to you, Nev? I guess it's all right. Yeah, not bad at all. It obviously depends on when you go and if you right. stay the yeah. obligatory Saturday night and all this sort of business, doesn't <laughs> it? But uh, yeah, when they say fares from, then uh, that's normally you have to stay yeah, yeah. seven nights, I think it is, isn't it? But, uh, oh, yeah. I see. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. I but like I said, that is close to us. Stance is only a, yeah. an hour and a half's drive it is. Yeah, for yeah, us, yeah, isn't yeah, it, So it's always good news when uh, airlines are come out, uh, not, come out yeah, of uh, yeah, Stance. So that's yeah. good news. I prefer yeah. it if it came out of Norwich, obviously. Well, that would be nice. <laughs> yes. But I can't see that happening. Is that Norwich uh, International Airport? Norwich, yeah, Norwich London International. Norwich London yeah, International. Yeah, London Airport. Norwich International. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That'll, oh, I know. That'll, so that'll, will that free up space at Gatwick then for other things to happen there? I guess a little. I think it will. Uh, it did, did, uh, I am right in saying this. They, I, I'm sure I read somewhere that they reckon that, that Gatwick is literally one of the biggest, sing, biggest, sorry, busiest single runway uh, airports in the world. Did I read I that? It is, yeah, yeah, I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. It, is. it's very true. it is. a. It is a scary number of amount of flights. So, I, I, but I dare say. I mean, again, because it is a major London airport, I dare say they'll have no trouble filling the slots if they do move. I suppose. Mm. Uh, but uh, as you, we're going to pop back to the memes very briefly before oh, we move no. on. Uh, this one's coming from Owen again, so this one's a little bit of a special here. Uh, it's, ha it's had the, it's had the uh, heart treatment <laughs> attached to, to this one, so he's had his pupils replaced. Oh, blimey. For those of you who are listening to the audio podcast, please do take yourselves over to YouTube and watch the uh, video show because... Yeah. Yes, we're having an awful lot of fun Special at Carlos's trade, yeah. expense for a change. Actually, I'm rather enjoying this. Yeah, do keep, do keep. I've got several more that I'll insert <sighs> oh, later on blimey. in the show. Okay. Oh, it's been working very busy. Uh, Should we just have a meme show? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Any, anyway, yeah. moving swiftly on, that brings the commercial news segment. Are you going to make close. me do something serious now? No, aren't you? Well, I could do. <laughs> so uh, we are going to hand things over to uh, Nev next to oh. introduce. The next very special part of the show. Thank you, sir. Yeah, well, next up, it's time for part five of the excellent interview that Captain Nick did with Sir Richard Johns. We join this part of the interview with Sir Richard explaining how Russia has emerged as a potential threat to peace and to the Baltic states in particular. He also discusses the premature retirement of the Harrier aircraft. But I noticed some of the links you made then are still being used today with... Uh, combined exercises and the yes. typhoon force yes. out there so it's nice still that we have some influence uh, up against the Russian border well I mean I, this is well after my time but um, Russia has re-emerged Russia at the time was not viewed as a threat yeah. Yeah, the, the, the strategic circumstances have changed very considerably since you know 20 years ago uh, where, well more than 20 years ago now when I was doing my NATO job and NATO is, uh, sorry, Russia is looked upon as a potential threat. And there are various areas that feel very heavily under threat, like, for example, the Baltic Republics, uh, Bulgaria, uh, Romania, down in the southeast and so on. And so NATO shows its determination, as it were, to uh, face up to the Russians down there by doing air policing and so on. And the Royal Air Force is very much part today of that air policing effort. So they don't just do it for the United Kingdom and the Falkland Islands, but they do it on a rotational aspect, as I understand it, in, in those uh, areas. Yeah. 
that there was going to be one of my questions that I'd written here that with uh, the Russian incursions, uh, just like we used to have uh, oh, in yeah, the, yeah. Uh, of their military aircraft into our airspace here, indicates to me that uh, we might be considering the Cold War over, but are we sure they have accepted the fact that it's over? Well, I think they had no option but to um, accept the Cold War was over. Uh, back in you know, 1989, I did, when the Berlin Wall came down and the Warsaw Pact disintegrated. I mean, it's it, 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 very, very different circumstances today. Uh, global circumstances, let alone the relationships between the Russian Federation and uh, uh, and NATO, uh, or indeed, dare I say, the, the European Union. It's, it's just very, very different. Um, you're quite right. I mean, when I was... Uh, uh, Sasso, I do remember one, one incident very clearly when we might have shot an aeroplane down. Uh, I was a duty air defence commander. There, this is a rotational type thing in the headquarters, and it was. Uh, it would have been about. Let me think. It would have been about eighty-eight, eighty-nine. Yeah, it, it's before the Gulf War, when a Soviet aeroplane came across from the east. The guy had jumped out. But, and it came you know, coming across the east, and there we were. It was being plotted across, and uh, I was phoned up and said, "This airplane is is heading our way." And I, wow, going to shoot the bloody thing down over the North Sea, uh, and so on. And uh, we were getting all taught. Well, taught the QRA had been alerted, you know, to go if it came out. But I, if I recall, um, because sometime I think it crashed in Belgium because it ran out of fuel. <laughs> But no, sorry, but you remember yourself from those days that uh, QRA was often scrambled uh, in the Cold War as the Russians probed. And one of the things I was having to do as a strike uh, as Sasso when Paddy Hyme was my commander-in-chief again, and I worked for Paddy over many, many years, was to devise an op... What they used to do, as you recall, was they would come around the Kola Peninsula, they'd be picked up by Norwegian radars who would tell us and so on. And then all of a sudden, they would go down to low level and we would lose them when they were at low level. And then we never knew where they were going to pop up again, and then they'll pop up again on the edge of the UK ADR, sometimes in it, and, and so on. And, and this used to, this really myth Paddy. And one of the jobs you know, I had to do was to, 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 well, I had to do, the staff had to do, um, which I had to submit to him, was an op plan, but so we'll show them, and we'll get them when they're down low level. And this, of course, was when we had got our new AWACS aeroplanes. You know, the dear old shacks had gone. Yes. And we were going to put, put up, you know, as soon as we got the tell-off from the Norwegians that they had taken off from you know, the, the Kola Peninsula and they were coming around, get a package airborne that would have Phantoms, AWACS and tankers all together. And uh, the AWACS would pick them up and then we would start intercepting them at low level, which would give them something to think about. But yes. then, of course, the Berlin Wall came down. We were a bit late. Um, looking back from your seat as a retired officer, um, how did you feel about the premature um, closing down of the Harrier Force? Oh, I thought, oh, boy. I mean, I can rant on about that for a long time. But as I understand it, um, in this dreadful 2010 what do they call it, strategic and security defense review or something like that, uh, the Air Force uh, was told to get rid of a fighter-type jet. And the choice was pretty narrow. Certainly we weren't going to get rid of Typhoon, and so it boiled down to Tornado or Harrier. And 
the Harrier went. Why? Well, first of all, there were six squadrons of tornadoes versus three squadrons uh, of Harriers in joint force Harrier uh, at that time. And the one thing the Harrier couldn't do was carry Storm Shadow, and it couldn't carry, I think I'm correct in saying, Brimstone at that time, both of which the tornado could carry. And so in terms of decision-making, uh, if you had to lose one, despite what people said at the time from the other services, you know, that it was a more, it wasn't, it was a straightforward counting exercise and capability exercise. The tornado could carry weapons that the Harrier couldn't. Harrier might have been you know, God's gift to particularly the army out in Afghanistan at the time in terms of close air support or covering them from high level, but no, it had to be the Harrier that went if you were going to agree to that. Well, I, I've still got a couple of chums in the US Marine Corps from yesterday, and they thought when they got the whole lot, not just the, the how many was it, 70 GR9s or whatever the number was, plus all their spares back up for an absolute knockdown price. They thought Christmas had come twice that year. And, and there we were. We knew these carriers you know, were going to be built, and that's another story, you know, how they transmogrified from 30,000-ton ships uh, to 40,000 ton ships and to 65,000 to 70,000 ton ships is not anything you know, I know I have my own views on it but how that happened I haven't got a clue but they, they have no aeroplanes to fly on them and surely the sensible thing would have been at least to contain uh, retain a, a percentage of that force put them in a mothballs or whatever and to bring them out again when these ships came so you actually had something to operate off them you know, in, in the early days or whatever so I just think it was one of a raft of dreadful decisions that were made at the time. I really do. Interesting. Interesting. Um, but I talk as a retired officer. Of course. And I'm not, you know, I'm not conversant with all the facts that led to no, the no, decisions no. to be made. Don't worry. I've talked to Sir Glenn about it. Oh, you have? Yes. <laughs> He's on the record. Um, uh, I'm sorry to jump down. I hope my, my story is roughly in tune with what he told you. Exactly in yeah. tune. It's almost like you'd spoken to it at dinner a couple of days ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry, leaving back to your... Uh, we had you in NATO, and now you're taking up the most senior post in the Royal Air Force as, yeah. uh, um, as the... Uh, Chief of the Air Staff. Chief of the Air Staff. I do apologise. It's been a few years for me as Chief of the Air Staff. Um, I imagine your most difficult job at that time was trying to raise the morale in the Air Force, which had been beaten down through cost-cutting uh, and um, all the various measures taken to shrink the Air Force. And yet you were coming to this from quite a few years outside of the Air Force in NATO. Uh, how did you face that? How hard a job was that? Well, I mean, the very first thing one, one had to accept, I mean, I, I took over in uh, April um, '97 what, a couple of weeks, three weeks before the general election, that uh, soon after I took over, there was going to be um, a, a defence review of some sort, sort of the other. Um, and I thought at the time, well, and I'm going to have to learn you know, pretty quickly about you know, what the Air Force is like at the moment. So apart from the briefings, you know, that I had in the Ministry of Defence and with the Commanders-in-Chief and so on, uh, I, uh, I was doing some pretty rapid moving around, around the Air Force. And morale was described to me at the time by the then commanders-in-chief as on the cusp. It was, you know, like that. And there were things that you could do. I mean, I, 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 I remember, for, I'll just give you one example. 
I'll give you two examples. Um, I, I remember going up to Lossy Mouth, um, which, where the, where, which was the home then, basically, of the tornado force, majority of the tornado squadrons, if I remember, up there. The GR squadrons, not the uh, F3s. And I remember meeting uh, four pilots uh, at a lunchtime, their pre-lunchtime gathering. Uh, they'd all fought uh, in Gulf War I. Um, I. I then discovered that they were all going to leave the Air Force, PVR, premature voluntary retirement, and they were all in wow. their mid-30s. Since Gulf War I, and we were now talking 97, they had done 13 further deployments out to Ali al-Salam on uh, Southern Watch. They were all married to professional women who had their own careers uh, to follow. They all had young families, and uh, they were stuck up you know, in, in the north of Scotland at, at Lossie. And they had decided, you know, that, that as there was no forecast at all of a reduction in the operational pressures that the force is having to stay in that, well, they said, well, we're going to go. And they were very, very apologetic about it. And I said, there's no need to apologize. You know, you've done your duty. And if that's what you've decided, I absolutely understand the reasons. And you go with my thanks for having done a very good job while you've been in the light blue. And I think that letting people understand that you understood why there was a retention problem, in a sense, wasn't going to solve the problem, but at least it might, how can I put it, make people think twice, you know, well, perhaps it might be worthwhile staying in the Air Force. And another place I went to, um, I was talking to a whole lot of, uh, of uh, technicians, and th these, these were avionics guys, uh, they were all junior technicians, all looking very downcast, and I said, what's wrong with you guys? And they said, well, there's absolutely no promotion. In our, in our trade, uh, we've been told there ain't going to be any promotion for some time to come. So I said, well, I'm going to have a look at this. And when I went back uh, to the ministry and I then got hold of the then Air Member for Personnel, and I said, is this true? And he said, yes, it is. And it's not just the avionics trades group. It applies to a number of other trades groups because in this very rapid uh, reduction in the Air Force's manpower to retain the structure within the trade group, we've had to put a halt on promotions. And you can understand the mathematics mm. of this and so on. And I said, well, sod, so, excuse me. I said, no, forget that. We're going to forget all about it. And I want, you know, at least a dozen of JTs in the avionics trades group promoted in no time flat. And we're going to go on looking at this. And I said, you can tell the trade group managers that I entirely understand the problem that they've got in retaining the shape of the trade groups. But on the other hand, we're going to have a damn sight bigger problem if we don't have anyone in the trade groups because they've all gone. And so we've got to reintroduce promotion and we've got to manage it as best we can. And I told ministers, I mean, by now, uh, the Labour government had come in, I told them precisely what I was doing. Um, and, uh, you know, and so this is the way I think we're going to have to run it. We'll, we'll, do our, we'll, we'll stay within our budget and we'll manage it the best we can. So by doing little things like that, you can start, the real object of the exercise was to start giving people f confidence in the longer term future uh, of their careers in the Royal Air Force, and that was all about. And of course, morale is an absolute constituent part uh, of, that, uh, of that confidence. 
So it, this way is talking to people and, you know, I don't know, sort of going around and uh, listening to people. Some of it was very funny. I mean, I had one or two great, great times, particularly with my former Harrier friends, but that's another story. Only one more section to go with that. Nev, uh, there's been a lot of love uh, for these in the chat room. I, I, it's yeah. just been such a privilege to be playing them out, Nev. Um, and, yeah, it's uh, all about the content. I mean, I just you know point the camera yeah. and uh, yeah, no, muck about with it no. when I get home. Uh, but um, in part six, which is the last part of it, which we're going to show next week, um, Rich, uh, Richard goes further to talk about the, the cutbacks in the services and how yeah. he feels about it. So that's a very revealing episode and a nice way to close nice it. To, well. Nice way to close it, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And of course, uh, I know we've said it all throughout, but uh, our special thanks to uh, Captain Nick, who, who also worked very hard on uh, on getting a really good interview. Uh, Tony said in the chat room, actually, no disrespect to us guys, but you <laughs> yeah. know, I mean, I'm so <laughs> pleased that Captain Nick is, is conducting the interview. And uh, I couldn't agree more, Tony. I really couldn't because uh, it really has given it, uh, you know, it's been a really, really quite special series to be playing out and uh, yeah. Yeah, I've been really enjoying it. Have you enjoyed them, Liz? Listening to the uh, Sir Richard John bits and pieces? Oh, she's, Liz is on mute. <laughs> I'm back. Oh, hey. Hello. That's right. I was panicking. I thought it was my end for a minute. It's just like, oh, no. Yeah, go on. No, I, I think the interviews have been fascinating. I, I'm not a military aficionado in any way, shape, or form, but I just find um, just, just the interplay between he and Nick, yeah. and I love the way Nick asks the question and then sits back and lets yeah. Sir Richard answer. It's, to me, it's one of the keys of a good interview is, yeah. you know, a lot of interviewers now seem to have to jump in and insert themselves in, yeah. into things. And I, I really, I really admired the way Nick conducted this whole thing. It was he just lets it flow, doesn't he? That's, that's exactly. the thing. It's, it, and it, it's, as you say, there are so many interviews who, who, in my opinion, get that wrong. And uh, yeah, it's been a re you know, it's, uh, yeah, well, you know, ne Nev and Nick work very hard on it and, it, yeah. and it's really showing. So well, I don't thanks know, very I don't much. know how the heck we're supposed to top this. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Nev, yeah. you're really going to have to, um, yeah. yeah. Pull, pull yes, many, yeah. I'll, I'll get my little black book out see if I can find some more phone numbers. Yes, yeah, indeed, people. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, we'll be returning to uh, Richard John's very Sir Richard John's uh, very shortly as uh, his book. Uh, which obviously Top is what prize. prompted uh, the, uh, the, in fact, actually, yes, Nev is holding it up now. His book is actually our top prize yeah. in the Christmas competition, Answer, Answers and Winners, of I which know. will be chosen very shortly. So, uh, yeah, yeah. So watch this space. Yep. So, uh, earlier on uh, in this um, kind of break that we had, as we were talking about earlier on the show, uh, there was a certain incident uh, at Gatwick Airport. Was there? In, in, <laughs> well, it was just one of those incidents that, that we uh, love to see, uh, but not love to see if you're a passenger, unfortunately. Yeah, but uh, uh, unbeknown to me, but obviously, content-wise, fantastic idea with Nev and Matt. Um, they organise a little something special. No, no, well, we, we, did, we did try to get hold of you, but uh, I, I, I... I had man flu. <laughs> no, well, A, you had man flu, and B, I checked with Gemma first, and she said you were busy. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so that's why it was sneezing. just me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, so, Nev, what happened here? 
Well, as you know, just by watching the news media, and it's one of my pet peeves, isn't it, about the way the media reports stuff, especially with regard to aviation incidents and accidents. Um, we thought, well, it, obviously this has all happened when we're uh, on our holiday, so it was difficult to do anything live. But we thought, well, what about actually some, some real reporting, people that actually uh, deal with these things on a day-to-day -day basis? So one of our listeners, completely coincidentally, wrote into the show um, a chap called Mark heifer and uh, he went down to uh, goodwood actually with nick and co and did a meet up down there i think it was last year they did that um and uh, uh, mark is actually a, a very experienced drone flyer himself and so we thought well who better to actually talk to about this and get his opinion on uh, on, on what it all, all meant so uh, matt and i had a chat with him and uh, here is the interview we did well, it's Sunday evening here, and uh, of course, we've been doing a couple of pre-recorded shows over Christmas and the New Year period. So thank you very much, Diva, for tuning into those, and hope everyone had a great Christmas and New Year. But of course, by doing that, we've missed rather a key event that's happened, haven't we, Matt? And that's the, uh, the drone incident. Uh, Has there been something going on that I've missed, by any chance? I, I... Apparently. <laughs> apparently. Yeah, this always However, happens. Uh, Yes, we, we're very pleased to say, though, that uh, one of our keen listeners, Mark Heffer, uh, dropped us a note uh, because he is a drone operator himself and he would like to come onto the show for a bit of a chat. So this is his opportunity to have a chat with us. So uh, hi, Mark. How are you? I'm very well. Very well. Slightly nervous, but, but fine. Oh, no to be nervous. No, we, we treat our guests very gently, let me tell you. So, first of all, Mark, how long have you uh, been operating a drone for? Well, I've, I've been model flying since I was 14, so that's unbelievable. It's well over 40 years, apart from a little bit of a break when I flew hang gliders for about five years. Um, and actually, the drone business, I've probably been flying for about six years now. Gosh, okay, so that's uh, quite a lot of experience, yeah, a lot of experience there, definitely. Um, so obviously, we've had this thing going on at Gatwick. We're very short of facts, really. Everybody's been guessing. The 24-hour the news media have gone ballistic over it. Social media's been on transmit the whole time. What's your take on, on, on what seems to have happened here? And what has been the effect um, of on your hobby, effectively? Well, I think the effect on the hobby has been disastrous. In fact, I think the effect on everybody involved has been disastrous. Nobody is going to come out this well, that's for sure. Um, but on the hobby, we've got regulations coming in next November. There's been a lot of consultancy work, and I've filled in questionnaires with the CIA, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I'm sure the rules are going to be really, really timed down. Mm. But let's face it, this appears to be a terrorist incident although the police are saying it's not but this is if it happened this is a organized uh attack by many people i mean I, the, the one thing i would sort of add to that perhaps is it i mean i guess it depends on your your opinion of of or, or what the definition of terrorism is but i would argue that this is an event that is terrorizing the people of the uk therefore uh, i would probably be inclined to put it in that same bracket as as you're saying there i mean it, it is uh, it it seems far too coordinated if you like uh to to have been an event that um uh, 
uh, it was too much down to chance, if you see what I mean. I mean, you know, if, if somebody had genuinely made a mistake and their drone had accidentally wandered into airspace, uh, people, when they suddenly got home and saw it all on the news, it certainly wouldn't be there again the following day, would it? Of, of course not. And, and Gatwick has been closed down before, I believe. Certainly last year, there, the runway was closed down for its own sighting. Mm. Um, and somebody will probably know out there, but I believe that they were putting a surveillance radar system in. Um, so it's even more of a mystery to me. There's so much that we don't know. Mm, of course. Uh, yeah, I think it's been, it's been such a mess all around. You know, media coverage. You've got two people that have been named in, in the media. They've been interviewed by police. And once again, their, their names were leaked somehow. I wonder how that happened. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah. Uh, clearly they, they've been, they're, they're not guilty. But also the other thing I would say is that all the drone operators that I know, certainly in the audiovisual business that, that I work in, and there's quite a few of them. They are all just like you, highly responsible individuals that know exactly what they're doing and know exactly what the rules of the game are. So uh, it, it, there's no question about it. This, this is not some sort of amateur thing that's happened, is it? Well, no, I was going to say, if I wanted to fly my drone at Gatwick, it would be very difficult, very difficult. I've got geofencing. I've got a DJI Phantom 4 and a DJI Mavic Pro. Um, they're geofence. They're impossible to fly into Gatwick airspace yeah. because I, it just wouldn't happen um, unless you can hack it and do whatever. But again, that's a deliberate act. That's not done by a guy that saw a police helicopter flying over a building and thought, I'm going to have a look out of ignorance. Yeah. If, if it did happen, if this event did happen, this, this is organised. Yeah. And, of course, that, there is that, that risk, of course, where uh, given the fact that they've been unable to find any kind of significant evidence, uh, say two people were wrongly arrested uh, off the, the back of it, then uh, charged. The thing that disturbs me more about all this is essentially those, those guys' privacy has been massively into, you know, and, and I know the guy was a keen uh, enthusiast, um, and his name especially has been like dragged through the media, something chronic, for something that he didn't do. I mean, that doesn't sit well with me either. And I, I guess that's the trouble with social media these days. Well, I, I think on the, on the other side of that, I mean, this guy wasn't uh, a drone pilot. He did fly small racing drones, but I believe he sold them in the, Christ uh, um, in the summer. I don't know him, but this is all just what I've heard. Yeah, yeah. But what worries me a lot is... Even in, even in the House of Lords, they were calling for stricter rules and for drone registration. If you're going to do something, you are not going to register your drone. No. no if there was an incident around the corner from me and my name is on a list of drone operators, who are they going to come to first? Yeah. It's going to be me. Yeah. And I'm going to have to prove my innocence, which is, you know, which is what happens. Yeah. But the, the terrorist or the person that does it um, out of malice, they're never going to, to be registered. They're never going to... They just don't care. It's a tool to them to cause terror. Yeah, indeed. Do you think that the... Um, obviously, we're going to see these new regulations later in the year, uh, Mark, and uh, I think the CAA, as you, you know, I've said before, have been a bit slow off the mark here on, <laughs> on so many occasions with regard to drones. But as you've just said, it wouldn't matter what the regulations are. If they want to get one through, they'll get one through, won't they? Yeah, yeah. Somebody said to me, 
it's like driving a, an arctic lorry into a crowd of people to cause terror. It's not the, the articulated lorry's fault. It's the person behind the steering wheel. And it's the same with, with a drone, I'm sure. Now, there'll be people out there that will argue black and blue that that's not right. But, you know, maybe I'm a bit biased the other way. Sure. I mean, the other thing I was going to say to you, all the drone operators that I tend to associate myself with from time to time, they all tend to know each other as well. As I said, they all are very responsible people. In your case, I'm sure you know a lot of other people that are drone operators to the same standard as, as you are. And I would imagine that their opinion is very much the same as yours. Yeah, I'm, I'm a member of the British Model Flying Association which um, looks after model flyers and it's taken sort of drone operators under its wing as well. And I've got to say, we've got a good relationship with the CAA. I have flown in restricted airspace um, with permission from, from the tower at Lid Airport and it wasn't a problem at all. It really wasn't. So there, there is good, goodwill out there, but I think a lot of drone operators, model aircraft flyers feel victimized in a way the, the safety uh, record of the british model flying association is, is phenomenal and it's recognized by the caa and we've just got to get that over to the, to the people that make mistakes indeed and of course the, the the worrying thing about the what what is essentially is going to become the i guess is going to be part of the outcome of this this awful incident is that that great relationship that the responsible drone owners like yourself have got with the CAA, of course, they're now going to be, their hands are almost going to be tied, aren't they? So they're going to perhaps not going to be able to be quite so lenient and, you know, more paperwork and things involved to, to be able to do the simple things like like the filming that, that, that you're, you're speaking of. Yeah, I think, I think the political pressure to, to be seen to do something will outweigh almost anything else. I think the news media, the hype is just so anti-drones that we're in for a bad time. Yeah, I bet. Uh, now, the other thing I was going to say to you uh, as well, uh, Mark, is that, of course, uh, my co-presenter on the show, Matt, has got himself a, a drone for Christmas. Uh, so, I have, um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> tell us all about that to start yeah. with. Right. Shall we talk about that, Matt? And I'm, I'm sure, let me just ask you, were you the one at, no, we're fed up with, were you the one at Gatwick? Yeah, Gat oh, don't, don't get I've me started. I've had that yeah. so many times. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I had, uh, uh, it's like, uh, you, you know, when you when you're sort of like, I'm a bit sad because I do involve a little bit in social media so you're taking photograph of of like you you know you, the present that you got for christmas and you say, everybody says oh what did you get for christmas and i sent said picture to a num number of my friends and literally bearing in mind obviously i didn't open it till christmas day uh, so many of my friends all messaged me say oh you weren't flying around about that gatwick were you and i'm like no yeah. no i didn't open it till christmas day it's just like uh, although i did sort of hint maybe i'd go and sort of you know i'm more like to go and visit stanstead because it's on my doorstep but anyway that's, <laughs> that's, yeah, be careful what you say. Yeah, I know, I know. It's all, right. it's all right. The very fact that I do this show, if there's ever a problem, the first thing they're going to do is come come knocking on my door. Yes, door. that's right. Doubt. So what about so, the so what did you get, Matt? It's, oh, now you're, now you're asking. Uh, it is, it's, it's only a little, it's a little Bugs uh, 5, 
I want to say Bugs 5W or W5. Uh, so it's only a, what I call a, a hobbyist um, yeah, sort yeah. of drone. So it's a bug, yeah, it's a Bugs Five W, but it's got a lovely little uh, 1080p camera on it with a, a gimbal that you can alter on oh, the nice, on nice. the actual drone itself. Uh, you, you put your mobile phone in the holder and everything, and you can um, uh, it'll do like GPS following and stuff like that. So you can really yeah. sort of uh, it's a re- it's a really cool piece of kit. I mean, it's uh, it, I'm, I'm a very lucky boy, let's put it that way, and I've had so much fun with it over Christmas. Um, but uh, yeah, it's um, it has made me really, really nervous now about sort of flying it and where I can go with it. And in fact, uh, other than sort of on Christmas Day, because we were actually at my uncle's for Christmas Day, and I, I flew it in his back garden, and then suddenly I got all a bit nervous because I'm thinking, hang on a minute, the risk here of uh, of invading other people's um, air, well, not airspace, but like other people's privacy, because obviously this thing has got a camera on it and all that kind of thing. So to be honest, I've only really been playing with it like uh, like on the common, or <laughs> I took it to Yarmouth Beach and flew it on there um, on Boxing Day and stuff like that. So I mean, as a as a, a, a complete novice, I mean, I've never. Well, we all know how terrible I am at flying. The um, <laughs> what's the um, what advice would you give me as a, as a newbie, if you like, in regard to to flying drones and and where's best to fly them and safety and and that sort of thing? Well, first and foremost, I would get yourself the um, a, a, an app for your phone. Right. Um, Nats have got one called Drone Aware. That shows all the airspace restrictions, if there's temporary airspace restrictions, everything. Just put it on your phone, and when you go and fly somewhere, just make sure you're safe. Okay, cool. Um, It's simple. It doesn't cost anything. You know, it's there. Um, Secondly, join a club. Um, Model flying clubs, we we tend to be a bit sticky and a bit stuck in the mud with uh, all our big balsa wood airplanes and, and all that sort of thing. My club welcomes um, quadcopters, drones, helicopters, gliders, all sorts of things. We've got a great little, great little group of guys down there, and it's really, really nice to get this new technology and sort of like youngsters coming in um, that aren't really interested in flying, but we'll, you know, we'll see soldering iron around and, and solder board up and program their own flight controllers, and it's really good. So I'd say, you know, join a club. Um, there's so much to learn, and it's quite easy. And uh, just enjoy. Always be careful of the weather. Yeah. Um, make sure if you go downwind, you're going to get back. Uh, yeah. That's the biggest, biggest mistake people make. I must say one of the best things about, uh, especially again, and you mentioned like modern technology and stuff there. One of the best things about this, the the way that these things have moved on now is, uh, like I, I had, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I had a little bit of an incident when I first, when it first went up. Uh, it was sort of later in the evening, so it had gone dark, and of course, as soon as it got over the rooftops of the houses, the wind caught it and it disappeared. And it wandered yeah. off, and I got really paranoid because I'm thinking, "Oh my goodness, that you know, I'm going to be knocking on several people's doors here trying to find the thing as it's disappeared." Uh, and what I didn't realise is the technology is so good now because it, what I didn't realise is it had recorded um, its uh, takeoff uh, GPS position, and when it sort of wanders off out of range, it hadn't got out of range because the, the the controller was still responding, etc. Uh, but there's a button on the remote; you press the home button. And it'll actually bring the drone so that it's above you, uh, and it'll yeah, hold yeah. its 
it's I mean it's cheating really isn't it let's be honest because it's essentially <laughs> flying it for you rather than you doing it but I thought really that's such a cool piece of technology to a novice like me the ability to be able to just literally bring it home and and then yeah. just, then you can land it I mean it was just, it's just really it's the the technology is amazing this nowadays isn't it so so for me I, I quite like uh, photography as well so a drone for me is all about taking photos it's a flying yeah. camera I don't see it too much as a challenge to fly yeah. not like flying a scale glide or a scale powered plane to you know where if you take your hands off the controls you're in trouble and you've got to worry about all that sort of thing mm -hmm. so for me it's a flying camera it's yeah. it's almost not model flying if that sort of makes sense yeah no i i totally agree with you i mean there, there is it's literally bearing in mind this is my first day of having it and I'm flying it, I'm putting it up to where I like, I'm not having any issues in regard to controlling it and that. And that's basically mm -hmm. because the damn thing is flying itself. I mean, I'm not, you know, I, I, the computers are controlling it. I'm not doing anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course, we never had that back in the day. You no, know, I know, even I know. When I, the, first, the first sort of uh, early drones were about, they were, they were terrible, terribly difficult mm. to fly. Um, flying isn't really a problem now. Mm. No. So do you think, thinking about the future now, Mark, what, what's going to happen next? So we've got this new legislation uh, coming in later in the year, uh, or later uh, next year, sorry. Um, what's going to happen in terms of the way these things are covered? Do you think that the media and do you think anybody's learned anything from, from the events of the <coughs> last uh, week or so? Uh, what a question. I really don't know. I really don't know. At the moment, I'm full of doom and despair, really, for the future. Um, I mean, the whole of the model aircraft industry has been waiting for a, a terrorist attack, to be honest, yeah. to happen. Um, and I don't know. I just do not know. I, I, I'd like to think that there, there are, when it, the fuss dies down, that somebody actually says, look, let's just think about what the regulations are meant to do yeah. let's just look at incidents of deliberate incidents yeah. and how would they stop them and would they stop them yeah yeah this is this is the thing I, and it, it it's it's a such it's such a a, a difficult subject isn't it in general and i've said it on the show several times before and i'm sure you won't disagree with me when i say this mark it is very much the minority spoiling it for the majority again yeah, I think so. Uh, and the difficult thing, these things aren't cheap. I mean, yeah. my, my Phantom 4 is probably a new price of that. It's probably a £1,000, plus a little bit more. They're not cheap. And it it just means so much to me. It's such a lot of money to me. Yeah. Um, I just wonder why people are so reckless with such a large amount of money. It's, mm. It baffles me sometimes what people yeah. do. I agree. Well, there we go. And uh, that's been very informative indeed, Mark. And thank you very much indeed for, for writing into us and telling us your story. And th I think we've all just got to say that we hope that if we fast forward a few months and there's been no further incidences, we'll all have learned something from what's happened. But um, yeah, it's certainly put it right at the top of the agenda, hasn't it? Well, it has. And um, hopefully this has been a wake-up call to the airport to get some sort of surveillance radar. Yeah. Um, around so that if if somebody does see something and they they phone the town and say look I think there's a drone flying uh, at the top of the the taxiway then they can get straight on the radar and have a look yeah. I'm surprised that's not actually been used this time um, <laughs> but I don't think we will see another drone attack like this I think hopefully the technology will be forced to be put in place yeah. 
and this will never happen again. And if we ever really get to the bottom of, of what actually happened at Gatwick on those evenings, I will be surprised. There's so many mysteries and yeah. things that just don't make sense yeah. that I will be very surprised if we ever get to the bottom of it either. Yeah. I, I think me and Nev are very much in agreement there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah. definitely. Cool. All right. Well, thank you very much, Mark, for uh, sharing your thoughts with us. That's really appreciated. Well, no, thank you very much. And uh, we're honestly, we're not all bad guys, us drone people and model aircraft pilots. We're, we're all airplane geeks at the end exactly. of it. Exactly. Excellent. And that's a perfect uh, note to end on. Thanks ever so much, Mark. Thanks for your time. Bravo, guys. Yeah. Well done. I that mean, was really good. Uh, and genu genuinely, one of the things that I want to add to that, as I say, I, I, which uh, Captain Al's actually just said in the chat room here, he said, we mustn't vilify uh, drone hobbyists. Law-abiding citizens mm. will always behave responsibly. And that's really why we were so pleased when uh, Mark got in touch because, uh, you know, we were very aware of the fact that the, the people who, you know, basically they were literally, as, as I'll say, being vilified for, for enjoying their hobby. And of course, in reality, the people that, that were involved in what was causing the chaos at Gatwick, of course, were criminals. They weren't mm. you and I. They yet were to just, be caught. They, yeah, it's yet to be caught. Will yeah. they ever be caught, I suppose, is, yeah. is the other question. But uh, there's some great um, comments in the chat room. Carlos, I was just saying, mate, you're saying about the app. It's a brilliant yeah, app. I've, I've got it on iOS here. You can probably see yeah. on the camera there. Yeah. Showing Beckles there as being a... Uh, Bit of a hot spot there for flying drones, but yeah. uh, sorry, yeah. can, I just, can I just stop you there, Carl? You've got it on iOS. Yes, yes. yes. You've got an iPhone. Ah! <laughs> you didn't pick up on that, did you? You've got an iPhone. No, I it's say, not an iPhone. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, uh, I thought you just lost the plot, mate. You know, <laughs> that's yeah. where I was. Going yeah, I, I was expecting you to pick up on that straight away, but you yeah. didn't. I've got too many things to worry about. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. Never though. Oh, you never no. get anything past Nev, You see, that's the, that's. The no, I I had I yeah. had that off the uh, Google Play Store, and uh, it's yeah. obviously a free app, which is also brilliant. Yeah, um, and it's, it is, um, and it is really good. So, yeah. so it's and it's the Nats Drone Assist. Yes, Drone uh, Assist app. So it's Nats Drone Assist. It's available on Google. Uh, play and also on iOS yeah. and uh, genuinely uh, I've been using it obviously to make sure that I'm not flying somewhere where I shouldn't be. Uh, you wouldn't because you're an you're a, you know you're an aviation person. Well, I wouldn't intentionally <laughs> end up somewhere. Uh, yeah, so Owen picked up on it in the chat room as well. The chat room was going nuts. Cause <laughs> I know. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Carlos is. I love it. You see what you've started now, I know, don't you? I know. Absolutely. But no, seriously, going back to the chat room, there's some great uh, yeah. comments in. So Liz, in, obviously we we've had this situation in. The UK with uh, with the drone UAVs, um, is it a popular hobby in, in where you are in Canada? Well, it definitely is. I'm not really all that uh, current with the situation here because I don't really know anyone who has a drone or whatever. It's definitely weather related. In the winter, obviously, not much too much is happening. But I think in the summer, and and when I listen to air traffic out at Pearson. I do hear them talk about sometimes drone sightings, so I know that they are around, unfortunately, in the airspace out there. But yeah, it's popular, and, and certainly here over the Christmas holidays, I saw lots of advertising for drones and so forth, so I know that people are buying them. So, Have, have, have there been incidences similar to, to what we've had at Gatwick, uh, um, sort of in, in, in your... In Toronto? Yeah. 
No, no. I mean, the, 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 the most frequent incidents here, sadly, are the lasers being shone yes. up at the planes. Yeah. I haven't really heard of any close um, encounters with a drone. I mean, I've heard of sightings of them, but there really hasn't been anything um, in terms of them interacting with a plane or, you know, anything like shutting down the airport or anything like that. No, you're lucky. Yeah. lucky but uh, no well done guys that was that was very interesting i thoroughly enjoyed that yeah, yeah no uh, and uh, as i say and the key the key was we wanted to sort of try and get a you know a, mm. a, a proper hobby as somebody who actually yeah. knew what he was talking about yeah. uh so uh, our our thanks to uh mark heifer for uh kindly writing into the show uh and uh yeah agreeing to talk to us about it i really. think i think we all know somebody's i mean obviously you've got one i've got one and there's the two people i work with um at the company i work for and then yeah. They they both came up to me this week and said that they they brought one for Christmas or been given one for Christmas. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's a big market now. And and like, I, like we said to you before, Matt, you know the fact is that I can you can go online now and buy uh, one of these you know drones from various websites with cameras, yeah, all the various absolutely. functions mm. for less than fifty quid. Yeah, indeed. Uh, and one of the things that I, I've been quite nervous about, and perhaps it's just me, but of course, uh, I, I mean, we, I'm quite lucky. I've got quite a big garden here, but mm. I, I, I haven't and I, I, I wouldn't ever fly it in my garden. And the reason for that is because obviously I, I overlook... got a pond. Well, no, it's not even that. No, but the, no, I don't mean to be funny, but I was suddenly very aware. Now I, I did play the footage there when um, when I was in Clacton, but because as soon as I went above the root, that like the fence, my my, my uncle's got a very high fence uh, where he he is, and I, I, as soon as I flew it above the the fence, I suddenly realised I'm looking into everybody's gardens, and I felt very uncomfortable about it and so you know off the back of that actually it's literally just thinking actually no i need to fly this somewhere where it's open and public therefore i'm not impeding impeaching on on other people's privacy you know because it sort of suddenly occurred to me if i was flying in my garden here i'm essentially looking into everyone else's back gardens and and i, I that's not right is it really mm. I, you know it's uh so it, it you know I, I think responsibility i think drone, drone operators have to take a certain amount of responsibility plus for, we have some fantastic areas here in east of we england do, yeah, for absolutely. flying and, these and my favorite my favorite footage you know as the i beach. say over over at yarmouth beach mm, over, over nice. north deans was was very just good. great yeah yeah so I hope you all enjoyed that. that uh, good uh, work there from Matt and Nev, as always. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so moving on to uh, the last part of the show, then, where we are going to have the Christmas draw. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, basically, uh, obviously, as you all know, uh, we had our Christmas draw uh, for the show. We've got some great prizes lined up, including the top prize, which is that signed copy uh, of Bolts from the Blue by Sir Richard Johns, which Nev is holding there in his hands. And uh, we set a list of questions for you guys to answer. Now, we had uh, many entrants to the competition, and I'm pleased to say that everyone got the answers correct. So, well done to everyone there. Um, there, uh, there was, uh, well, there was, where we go, here we go, we go. We were 12 questions in total. I should know, I did write these questions down. And um, the first question we asked you was, what PTUK episode featured aircraft X-ray mic 612? Uh, which one was that, Matt? I'm sorry. That what that was episode 100. Well sorry, done, Matt. Sorry. Yes. I was doing something else. Sorry, don't surprise me like that. <laughs> no, that was uh, that was our episode we done uh, in the yeah. Vulcan bomber. 
Feed the Memphis number uh, 100. A clip of which is still one of my most favourite ones that I keep playing. With. Moving on. Okay. Number two <laughs> was what I KO code for the airfield uh, that I learned to fly at. That's at Beckles. And that was uh, Echo Golf Sierra Mike EGSM. That's Beckles. Uh, number three we asked was apart from the Rolls Royce RB211, what other engine powered the Boeing 757? Uh, that was the Pratt and Whitney PW2000. Uh, next one was which aircraft has the longest fuselage um, and that was the Boeing 747-8 uh, which has uh, the length of 76.3 metres. Uh, the Airbus coming just behind the A340-600 at 75.36 metres. Uh, the fifth one was, we all know that Lev loves BA. Uh, what year did British Airways form the budget airline Go? And what year did Go merge into EasyJet? That was 1988 and 2005. Remember those, Nev? Yes, vividly. <laughs> I bet you do. Uh, what uh, Next question was, what did the Wright brothers do before inventing aircraft? There was quite a few answers to this, um, but one of the main answers that we, we had here written down in front of us was that they built bicycles. There were a few other ones as well that the Wright brothers used to do as well, but uh, building bicycles was one of them. Uh, number seven, what year was the film Airplane released? Uh, awesome comedy, Leslie Nielsen. Uh, that was 1980, that one. Uh, what airfield is the Queen's flight based at in the UK? Where's this one, Nev? Oh, that's uh, RAF Northolt. Well done, yes. Not RAF very far from yeah. uh, Number nine, uh, another question that was uh, posted to us by uh, Nev. He added this one. Concorde is well known for her droop nose and it's used for takeoff and landings, so the pilots have an unobstructed view of the runway. On final approach, what angle is the nose selected to, Nev? Hello? Nev's disappeared? Oh. Frozen. Oh, dear. Nev's frozen. Okay. All right, then. Perhaps you should answer it while he comes back. So then. that is 12.5 <laughs> degrees. Hopefully, we'll get Nev back from the cold in a minute. It's, it yeah. is cold outside this evening, to be yeah, fair. Yeah, it's true, yes. Uh, number 10 was, what? Uh, where is RAF Aquateri situated, and what is its ICAO code? The answer was Cyprus. It's based in, the base is in Cyprus, and the ICAO code is Lima Charlie Romeo Alpha, L-C-R-A. Number 11, what year was Virgin Atlantic formed? And that was 1984. And the last question, number 12, was NASA operated a Boeing 747 SP, or Special Performance, uh, registration November 747, November Alpha. It's a 41-year-old airframe, but who was the first owner of this iconic airframe. Now the answer to that was Pan Am, and uh, that was registered with Pan Am under the registration <laughs> November 536 Papa Alpha Pan Am. So um, uh, there we, we go. we've um, we've been hacked. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is Captain Al, I'm afraid. I've, I, I've lost control of our green screen, which is slightly unfortunate. <laughs> but uh, anyway, there we are. I feel ill. <laughs> okay, there we are. How, did it take long to sync that and uh, add it to iTunes and then download it and then no, pay no, for it? No, it was pretty painless, I'm afraid. Then, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm a bit worried that we've still lost Nev at this, at this late Nev, hour. Nev, still there? Not, uh, it's not... Uh, no, anyway, oh well, we'll have to sort of Is carry on. Yeah, uh, hopefully he'll come back, but um, I hope so because he's he, Ned was going to draw the first uh, right, okay, prize winner. <laughs> Nev, are, are you back yet? <laughs> no, he's not. Okay, oh dear, we've lost him. 
Uh, <laughs> Any messages from Nev? Oh, no, oh, here he is. Nev. There he is. Oh, what happened? So I, I think I think Captain Al hacked into my internet. There. Right, he was okay. Obviously using an uh, Apple yeah, device. He, yeah, he's been he's been hacking into our thing. I don't know if you noticed. <laughs> yes, I, I saw that. I did see that before I uh, went off. So, yeah, I don't know what happened there. No, yeah, indeed. Oh, well, we're, we're delighted you're back because we were a bit worried about as, as you're supposed to be drawing out the top prize. We were a little bit worried about uh, yes. how we were going to go about doing that. So uh, yes, slightly anyway. awkward. So, uh, right, so moving swiftly on there. So we are going to draw the winners of the Christmas draw then. Uh, I've given you all the answers and, uh, well, we're going to draw the first prize winner. Now this is the winner of the Sir Richard Johns book, Bolts from the Blue, as signed by Sir Richard Johns. Indeed. So yeah, Nev's absolutely. got uh, a, a certain hat with him that he's going to draw uh, a yes, name I've got the, from. Uh, Got the uh, Airbus A350 XWB hat, which will please Al, no doubt. And uh, <laughs> here I have all of the winning answers, uh, so I'm going to put them in the hat. Okay, here we go. Rummage around okay. there. Just, just show, just show them in, in, in on the camera, please, Nev. Just so we could show that we're oh, that yes. we're being completely 100% fair. Carlos, if if you just hold your hat Oops. up, he's busy putting them into the hat as well. So we'll just give those a bit of a a shuffly round. Um, yeah, so we're just going to sort of try and do that. So uh, now, obviously, because we have got two separate studios here, so the name that comes out from Nev's hat, obviously, if it gets drawn in our hat here, obviously, will be put to one side because you yes. can only win, can only win one once. prize. So I'm just sort of saying that before uh, we so, sort of pull out a second one. So if there is uh, if here the we go, same then. name came, the same name comes out twice, then obviously we'll need to draw again. So, so. the winner. Of the first prize, the signed book from oh my hairs on there uh, oh, by Sir Richard Johns <laughs> and yes. Nev. Would you please draw the first prize I winner? Suppose, I suppose you want. A, I suppose you want a fanfare. Yeah, we'll have a fanfare. Okay, all right. Okay, of so. course. Yes, let's have a look. So uh, I have drawn one name Here we go, then. out The winner is Jenny, Jenny Parkinson. Oh, lovely. Jenny Parkinson. Now, she was Ooh. actually, I think she was in the chat room, but she's had to go for dinner, hasn't she? So uh, Yes, and she might be back. Uh, but, indeed, uh, yeah. So, Jenny Parkinson. Ra rather luckily for me, uh, I'm actually meeting up with her oh, at the end are, of the next week because she's going to be in London. So, I shall personally present you with your prize, Jenny. Lovely. So, uh, oh, hope you enjoy good. it. Yeah, it's, it's a great read. Okay. And, uh, yeah. yeah. Good, good one for the library. Definitely. Indeed, yeah. Absolutely. Very jealous. So. Right. right. So, okay. up next, so. we've got here the Lancaster Bomber model. This one here. Okay. The Lancaster Mark III Bomber here with the yep. stand, display Very stand. Good. You have got okay. to add the propellers yourself. Oh, no. Right. Okay. Well, I don't want it then. We've go. got to do some got work. The, the TriStar yeah. hats here. <laughs> Here we go. I'm going to rummage around. Okay. All the nut. Look at all those lovely yeah, winners. All right, yeah, okay, right. Here we on. go. Yeah. Here we go. And right. we are we are six minutes away from hitting our two-hour limit. Okay. By the way. So. <laughs> oh, David Corston. David Excellent. Corston. Uh, the only person, ironically, to well, apart from Paul, who uh, Paul Tricker, he turned up as well, didn't he? But uh, one of only two people to make it to our 100. David Corston. <laughs> well done, so David. Well done, David. Well yeah, done, David. Yeah. Right, Matt. Would you like to? Oh, uh, oh, oh dear. Yeah. We should have thought about this. I don't know quite how. Liz could virtually pull one out of the hat, really. But, uh, right, this one is for this one is for the air crash investigation box set. Here we go, a must see for all you aviation yes. enthusiasts. Highly recommended, compulsive. Yes, yes. I can say highly recommended, compulsive. Viewing. Matt's already watched uh, all yeah, these. Yeah, absolutely, he loves it. Loves the okay, series. Okay, so uh, 
Uh, oh, I need to put my camera up, don't I? Sorry. I, no, I'll, I'll pass it to you because it's, it's too many. There we go. One button too the many. The winner of me. the box set is Tony Kinsley. Very Tony good. Kinsley. Well done, Tony. You have won the Air Crash Investigation box set. Well done, Tony. Okay. Right, Excellent. so okay. up next then, here we have the War in the Air six disc collection DVDs. Uh, very interesting there. Where we go at the back there, there's six discs in there for you to watch. And we grab the TriStar hat again, and okay. uh, I'm going to pull out the winner here. Very good, right. very good, very go. good, go. yes. Right. And the winner of the box set is... Stephen Taylor, Stephen Taylor. There we go for those of you watching on YouTube World. Stephen Taylor, well done. You have got yourself the war in the air box set. Very good. So Very well done. Good. Okay. Right. So moving on to the next prize, uh, which is our final is prize. The final prize, yes, yeah. Final prize. The Dan Buster's Life of Guy Gibson. There we go paperback book there very lovely book yeah. there for those of you who love you book. i hope no no that's okay. in a, that's for, that's a previous in life piece, that one yeah, right come on in matt yeah. oh, pull right, a name okay. from the tri-star so hat okay uh, uh here we go then ah excellent there we are there we go. In, he was in the chat room earlier tony s tony s there we go tony s you are the winner of the very dan good. buster's book excellent. well done tony cool. okay so uh, what we will do, Carlos will contact everybody who's won some prizes, and uh, obviously we will request for you some addresses because we've got to post them. Apart from Jenny, obviously, because Nev is going to hand deliver that as he's yeah a personal delivery. Absolutely, uh, so that'll yes. be uh, a week today. So that'll be very great. good. Excellent. So we are going to uh, can I put my hat back on. Though? Yeah, you can. Yeah, yeah, so we're going to say a big yeah. well done to everyone who entered the Christmas competition. Yeah, and uh, we are obviously later on in the year we will run probably another exciting competition in the summertime i think for uh, oh, are we? for the for the show yes we we do like to have a competition <laughs> for i know wow. i know we've put the push the boat out this year yeah indeed yep so moving on to uh, the sh last part of the show then we just move these prizes out of the way there we go. don't want to lose them oh there we go. Right, so moving on to the last part of the show. So as we have got Liz on the show with us, I thought it would be nice to have a quick chat with Liz uh, in regards to uh, her position as the uh, the head uh, producer of the APG. So, so uh, welcome again, Liz, onto the show. Thanks, guys. It's great to be here. So, Liz, tell us a bit about uh, how... I mean, it must genuinely be one of the most impossible jobs in the entire world, surely, trying what, to keep what, all that What, does, what does it take to be the, the producer of the APG show? Well, uh, I'll, I'll be totally honest with you. It takes zero aviation knowledge because I'm a total amateur. I, I'm just a fan. I don't know anything. Um, but I'm able to help Jeff out in terms of the volume of feedback that comes in. Um, understandably, lots of people like to send questions and stuff in, and so it's just a matter of um, helping him and the rest of the crew out who have busy full-time jobs, mm, yeah. and I have time on my hands, and I'm able to, um, I sort of do a little bit of it every day. I kind of look at the feedback every day and, and do a little organizing, because um, you know, it's, it's amazing when you do a weekly show, as you guys know, the weeks come around pretty darn fast. Yeah. And, um, so uh, it, it's just organizing the feedback. I select out the ones I think um, would be good candidates for the next show in terms of news and feedback. And then obviously Jeff has the last um, edit. 
and um, then I put it together. We have um, show notes like you guys do. And um, that's kind of, I, I do the upfront stuff. Jeff is responsible for all of the editing of the show and the production of the actual podcast. Yeah. But um, so, anyway, so it's, I, it's sort I, of like, so what I, what I call sort of content production, essentially you're sort of, uh, you know, working through, working through all the feedback that they've got to, to essentially uh, give, uh, to take some of the headache, I suppose, out of uh, the things. Okay, they do get an awful lot of questions asked and, and all that. It's, it must be, uh, it's, uh, it, it might, and also as a keen uh, enthusiast yourself, Liz, it must be fascinating in lots of ways to be, uh, to sort of reading what's coming in. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I have learned so much stuff and the knowledge of the people that are in the APG community and in your community too is quite incredible. I mean, um, the crew will discuss an item and often then a whole bunch of follow-up stuff comes in from a lot of different viewpoints, which is really great. You know, there are people who are air traffic controllers and that are um, GA pilots and that are have military background and all of these kind of things. Like when the Lion Air thing happened, um, obviously Colonel Jeff was able to give a lot of insights because he flies the 737. Mm. So it, it's just, I, I, I feel um, that for me, it's been a wonderful learning experience, like learning the actual process of managing the feedback. But learning from the content has been great mm. too. Yes, I can imagine. So Liz, we've got a question from the chat room. Tony S is asking, uh, do you listen to all the audio feedback beforehand? I do. Um, I do. I listen to Nick's Plain Tales, um, which is kind of, I think it's a, it's a real perk of the, of the position yeah. that I get to hear them up front. And, and um, I kind of feel that I need to alert someone if I think that the um, audio or video feedback is, um, it needs a little bit of work in terms of, of quality. Both Nick and Jeff will often um, take the files and, and do some noise reduction or whatever. And a couple of times Nick has had a little hiccup in his plain tail that he submitted and it just is a little bit of quality control that I'm able mm. to do. So that's great. Uh, there's been a question for you as well in uh, in the chat room. Uh, do you want to take that one, uh, Nev, from Liz Bower? Uh, yes, indeed. Uh, Liz, have you got any plans uh, for taking some flying lessons at all? Oh, that's interesting. Um, no, I don't. I've, I've thought of it. Um, I just, uh, I, I just don't think it's in the cards for me, but you never know. It, it might happen. I was, I was really fortunate a few weeks ago, Nev knows this story. Um, when we went to Pittsburgh together to the Wings Over Pittsburgh Air Show, one of the people we met there was Dr. John Brown, who lives just north of me here outside of Toronto. And he has his own plane. And he was really great in asking me if I'd like to go up with him. And that was just great fun. I went up and met he and his wife and, and we did a little flying around. Um, unfortunately, the day wasn't ideal weather-wise, so we couldn't go as far as we wanted to, but it certainly piqued my interest. But no, uh, Nelson, at the moment, just in terms of, uh, I guess it's really a consideration in terms of money and time and stuff. And I, I just don't see me doing it, but you never know might happen. No, I hope so. I hope so. So Liz, when you, when you've obviously got put the show notes and stuff together, do you research the stories as well? Do you sort of look for some kind of uh, juicy stories for the show? Um, I, at times I do. I mean, sometimes the, the, the news stories, um, 
I'm fairly uh, lucky again, as because I have the time. I do sort of poke around and see if I can find stuff. And and sometimes if I if I find a story and I think it is a little bit thin on detail and stuff, I, I go out and look for other sources and so forth. So I try to put together as complete an item as I can. Don't always succeed in it, but um, the thing that I find challenging is. Um, to remember all of the things that have been covered in previous shows because obviously Jeff doesn't want to repeat himself but they have covered a lot of topics and and some of the new listeners send in the same thing again and I do find it a bit of a challenge sometime to remember oh gosh that was covered back on show number 186 or something I just um, but but Jeff has an amazing memory and he remembers that stuff so uh, we've had a lot of love in the chat room uh, for you, Liz. Um, Mike has said that uh, how, did, how did my lovely friend Liz become and remain so lovely? <laughs> He's such a smooth, He's such smooth a, isn't such he? a flatterer. Thank you, Mike. Uh, before I sign off, I've had a request from Tony S for something, so I've got a guest star that I'm going to bring on. Oh, I think, oh yes, of course, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think I, I think I suspect I know what's coming here. But, uh, yeah, absolutely. It's um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, here we go. Yeah. Here we go. Hey, look. look at that. There's Hannah. Yeah. There's Hannah. Just waking from a sound sleep, but there oh, she dear. is. Oh, <laughs> dear. Looks quite Hello, grumpy Hannah. as a result. Yeah, absolutely. Do you mind? I was napping. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. It's a cute, oh, cutie. Look. What that, so, so what's the breed, um, Liz? Uh, she's a mini schnauzer. Wow. Schnauzer. What a beautiful, beautiful creature. Because yeah, because you've got that uh, that rare case, Liz, where you have actually got uh, both feline and canine in the same uh, place at the same time. <laughs> I do. I had the cat long, a few years before I got Hannah, and I, I have to tell you, it was a consideration for me. I remember when I got Hannah, thinking, "Ooh, how's this going to go over?" And you know, Jack is my first guy. He was very cool, and they really are quite good pals now. They they love each other, and they they hang out together, and I think they're quite fond of each other. So I'm quite lucky. Also, yeah. we've had some uh, some more nice feedback as well from uh, Rick Bell. Rick Bell, who's in the chat room. Uh, good evening to you, or good afternoon to you, Rick. Uh, he said that uh, you can be his co-pilot anytime, Liz. Aww. Oh, thanks, Rick. That would be my honor. Well, I, I just, you know, I've been so lucky since I joined the communities of both APG and PTUK to meet a lot of people, and Rick is one of them. And uh, I, I honestly will say that every single person that I've met has been fantastic, so... You know, kudos to you guys and to Jeff for putting together a show that attracts the kind of people that are just wonderful to meet. Yeah, uh, Tony we are S. Lucky, Tony we? S. is asking a question, Liz. Uh, hmm, what happened to my feedback I sent to the show in 2009? To be fair, that wouldn't have been down to Liz anyway, would it, in 2009? So, oh, and, Liz, and yeah. Nelson, uh, Liz Bowen Nelson is asking, uh, Liz, are you a Maple Leafs fan? I shouldn't really say this in public, but I'm not. I'm not, a huge, I'm not a huge hockey fan to begin with. But actually, I hate to say it, but if I was pressed to say which team I support, it's the Montreal Canadiens. But I tried to keep that to myself. Keep that to yourself, yeah. Well done. It's all right. Nobody watches this. You'll be fine. Well, of course, we always ask our guests at the end what they would like to fly. So, Liz, uh, if you had the choice of flying any kind of aircraft, commercial, military, GA, current or retired, what would it be? Well, I'm in a bit of a dilemma here. I mean, because I'm not a pilot, it's a little bit of a strange question for, to be, for me to answer. But 
I have two choices. One would be the Spitfire, just because I think it's a fantastic part of British history, and I, I just I just love the aircraft. But I also love the big, giant, wonderful new um, commercial airliner. So I would say the A380 also, with probably with Captain Dave Walsworth. <laughs> so Liz, just before we wrap up, then just uh, just a couple more. Then are there any sort of big plans or any kind of uh, sneak kind of uh, insights you can give us to what might be happening on an APG for 2019 or is it you know well I mean I think the two big things that are, are surrounding APG this year are obviously Nick's retirement yes. which is um, something he's obviously anticipating with great um, enthusiasm pleasure. And, <laughs> and, um, and really um, some of us are hoping that we might be able to fly with him on that last flight. Wow. Uh, it's going to be a matter of him being able to find out what the last flight is and, yeah. and some of us being able to get there. And, um, but I think that's going to be a highlight. Yeah. And I think whatever happens, I think we're going to have to put together some kind of um, uh, tribute or something around yeah. that. And then the second thing is obviously going to be Oshkosh. Um, mm. The plan is for all of us to go to Oshkosh. Jeff has already arranged a big major Deluxo RV that um, is going to be um, picked up in Chicago and um, is going to be driven up to Oshkosh and the plan is for everyone to be there. So we're really hoping that we see a lot of people there this summer. That would be just great. Yeah, sounds amazing. Yeah. yeah. Well, that'd be nice if we... We'll have to try and uh, play those six numbers, Matt, again yeah, this weekend. Yeah, no, keep, keep doing the lottery. Um, yeah, you yeah, never what, know. what was that, Euro it. Millions? A hundred and something 111, odd million. 115 million, 15 wasn't million, it, Nev, yeah. something mm. like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Did you win, Nev? Just don't know. No, oh, worth no. a go. <laughs> well, we'll continue trying, guys. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. but, um, no, I mean, Oshkosh sounds like yeah, I know. I know, that, I know that there's quite quite a healthy contingent because I know Al went. Um, Last year didn't I? I think he's. I think he's hoping to go again this year. I think yeah. he was. Uh, so there will there will be a strong British contingent there. I I have no doubt. But uh, yeah, yes. Well, as I say, uh, uh, in case they've been stuck under a stone and they're for some unknown reason there's somebody listening to this who doesn't uh, know um, uh, where, how they get it. How do they find APG then, Auntie Liz? Sorry, who? Sorry. How do, how do they find APG if they want to? Uh, to oh, to, sorry. Um, airlinepilotguy.com is the website and through the website you can link to all of the podcasts and all of Nick's plain tales mm. also the podcasts are available on iTunes and any really any podcatcher any, that yeah. people use and on social media um, Twitter is at APG crew and, um, we post there and also there's a Facebook on airline pilot guy so um, uh, there's lots of ways to get in touch with the uh, crew. If you want to send some feedback in that I'll catch on the other end, it's feedback at airlinepilotguy.com, and we'd love to hear from you. Indeed. So that is where we are going to start to bring episode number 252 a close. We're going to say a big thanks to everyone who's joined us in the YouTube chat room this evening, all the uh, regular family members in there, and a big congratulations obviously as well to everyone who uh, won one of the prizes in the Christmas mm. draw. So well done to you guys. I'll be posting the winners' names and the prizes on our Facebook page and Twitter page as well. Uh, uh, well, after tonight, and uh, and we're also going to say a huge thank you to Liz for coming on the show and for obviously having her 
feline friend on the camera there because I am a big cat lover. You are so a big cat. Well yeah, done absolutely. for that. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for asking me. It's been a real pleasure and an honor to be part of the show today. Thanks. Oh, no, our, our pleasure. Our yes. pleasure. Uh, so, uh, what, so any big plans for the weekend, uh, Liz, going out uh, clubbing or uh, drinking? No, no, <laughs> I'm actually just going out for dinner tonight. Oh, um, a little bit later, Hannah and I are asked over to some friends who, are, who live close by. So, um, that's the only big plan, so I don't have to cook tonight. So that's really exciting. Wonderful. That's what we like to hear. Uh, the legend of this, uh, Nev, uh, what have you got? Uh, anything nice planned for the weekend and during the week? I don't think so. Uh, perhaps cleaning the car, and that's Ooh. about it uh, tomorrow, and a bit of shopping. Ooh. But uh, no, a, a quiet one before uh, a very hectic week uh, next mm. week. But I'm very pleased to say that on Friday, I should be meeting Jenny for lunch, yes. and I'll present her with her prize. Her prize. Some, yeah, some photos, uh, Nev. Don't forget yes. some yes. pictures. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Oh, what, you up to anything nice? Uh, well, I have a friend of mine uh, over at the moment from Brighton. Oh, he's, Porter. Uh, Porter. He's, Porter. Uh, he's yeah. here staying uh, in the area. And uh, he, it's his birthday Sunday. Oh, so, uh, Porter, lovely. we're, we're going to get together tomorrow evening and, and have a few lemonades. Lemonades, of course. Absolutely. Um, nothing, nothing and and a, few, a few bites of some healthy food. Of course. Yeah. And, nothing uh, deep fried yeah. or covered in chocolate. Yeah. And Sunday I shall be doing my ironing. Right, okay, well, you know how to party, don't you? I know. Never mind. Full uh, on, I okay. am. And about uh, you, Matt, come on. You must be uh, me? doing no, something no, exciting. Just, just working next week. Um, Not droning? Yeah, no. Uh, well, yes, I should probably go Probably go find a nice beach to go and fly me drone on. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, before we end, I have one final meme for you, which I think is very appropriate. <sighs> uh, there we go. I don't know, this one This one, This one. one looks better for, 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 yeah, for I you like that the one. rest of us. Yeah, absolutely. Nobody reads the show notes is on this uh, <sighs> uh, meme. Blimey, so, uh, you yeah. lot. I know. So I, get, I've had a lot of fun. I don't care about the rest. <laughs> if you want to contact us on the show and send us your photos, which we can put on the yep. screen behind here, I'd yep. love to have it poking the uh, wings yep. on the Careful. series there. Yep. Uh, if you want to send us your photos, do send us in to podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. Send yep. us your photos in, and you, we'll put it on the green screen behind us, and it will look awesome. So send yep. us in those. And if you want to find us, we're on Facebook. Where are we on Facebook? Yeah, so it's facebook.com forward slash Plain Talking UK. Our Twitter handle is at Plain Talking UK. And a shiny new website will hopefully be launching in the next <gasps> oh, yes. few days, which is www.plaintalkinguk.com. Have you been having a play? Uh, yes, indeed, absolutely. Although mm. I noticed that uh, temporarily they're all down at the moment because they've all transferred across. Yours is fine. It's all right. Don't oh, worry. Okay. Is my new one ready? Yeah, nearly. Yeah, Ooh. yeah absolutely. Yeah, Matt so. has been very kind. <laughs> he's, he's revamped my website as well for, for yeah. my disco business. But yes, yeah, so, so well. a, a new Plain Talking UK website yeah. is... Uh, hopefully going to be arriving in the next couple of days I'm looking forward to that yeah absolutely I have, I have no idea what I'm going to do with it yet but uh, yeah I've got to, I've got two days to do something about it so uh, uh, anyway so yeah, that's there we go. it for episode 250 big thanks again to everyone who has watched the show and also for everyone who downloads the show uh, as an audio podcast each week via iTunes and all the other awesome downloading podcasty type apps so thanks for that so that's it for episode 250 make sure you stay tuned for uh, next week's show which will be on Friday are we all good for no, I, I don't know yes yeah everybody's done. Yeah, everybody's uh, you, what time are you meeting Jenny oh for lunch so yeah. I should be back oh, right. okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. so yeah. next Friday show episode 251 yeah. so from me Carlos here in the PTUK studios have an awesome and safe weekend mm. and all the very best and from everyone else lovely uh, thanks ever so much for joining us Liz Thanks, you guys. Have a great weekend, everybody. From everybody in the studio, everybody say goodbye. Bye. Bye.